and welcome back to another episode of Stranger Than Fan Fiction, the one and only Meet the Robinsons fan fiction podcast. Also potentially the only Meet the Robinsons podcast, but jury's still out on if any of those exist. Um, I am one of your hosts, Alyssa, aka the Rob, Rob uh, aka. <laughs> I almost thought I was you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost do that sometimes. <laughs> One episode, we should, like, introduce the other. That would be really just fun. Just to confuse people, just to shake yeah, it up. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Just to keep you all on your toes. Um, But, no, my name is Alyssa, a.k.a. The Rational Dub, Dub, and I am joined by the mysterious voice in the other room. <laughs> Irene Dockram, a.k.a. Robinson Way of Life. He'll, yeah. Yeah, so, um, today is a special, special episode um, it's not only is this the final part of our Team Future discussion, holy crap. Thank God. We can take Team Future out in the back and uh, put a cap in its head, finally. Yeah, we can just, we can just, like, talk about it from a distance. Like, yeah. Like, like we can, like, maybe we can be friends, you know? <laughs> but, like, maybe we'll only meet, like, two years from now for like 10 minutes yeah yeah we can finally let it go you know we need we need some some room we need some elbow space (laughs) exactly um and not only is this the team future whole series finale but this is also our season finale yeah we decided there's no rules but we decided that this would be our season finale yeah Um, it just makes sense to end here because uh, we're kind of done all of our pre-recorded episodes. Yep. And quarantine is kind of over in most places. It's not over because it makes sense, but it's over because the government said so. And yeah. Rumble, rumble. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, in, when we see each other again in season two, it will no longer be a, a quarantine podcast. Or no. maybe it will be. It'll... I would hate to imagine. <laughs> but maybe it will finally be like a morning bus route podcast yeah AKA, that's what i that's what i do with podcasts Ooh, that's that's a good that's a good place to listen to podcasts yeah bring your friends along with you on your like one hour commute <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um we aren't now you guys will probably be listening to this like in october sometime i think like i spooky I time uh, yeah, yeah yeah deep in the spook zone I think I'm going to say, I can't, I, I, I've counted them all out, I think, and I think this will be airing October 18th, but uh, that Ooh, is not... That's a fun time. Yeah, it's not... Um, Halloween. Yeah, so this will also be our spooky episode, and spooky Ooh. because Team Future is very scary. <laughs> well, you know what else is scary? It's not reading Meet the Robinsons fan fiction once a week. Like, I oh know, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, on our end, we're going to be taking a little bit of a recording break, but we'll... Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know what? if you guys heard that, but that was a very loud no. thunderstrike. Holy crap. Yeah, we did my dog not. Is, my dog is hiding <laughs> under the table. It's okay, buddy. I know. Uh, I know. Dogs it's and so loud. Carrier hearing are I, backfiring I know, on them right I know. Now. I know. I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. It's okay. Alyssa, Alyssa's a very attentive dog mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's 
He's shaking. Oh my god, you poor buddy. You're a huge dog too. I don't understand Damn. you. He's shaking because he doesn't want the podcast to end. I know. I don't know if you guys can hear his whining. No, no, they can't. Okay, well, it's good. Oh, okay, there's a weird squeak, so I did hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's my dog. That's my dog. Buddy, you gotta I mean, stop I think he's whining. closer to the mic now. What? Maybe he's closer to the mic now. Yeah, his head I couldn't is, hear anything is right before near that. it, so... Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, buddy, I know. So, I'm sorry, guys, if you hear whining in the background, um, or something that sounds like squeak noise, it's my dog, he's not having a good day today, um, and I'm going to try and pet him so that he, he, uh, calms down. Anyway, but the point is, is that we don't know when season two will start again, um, but... Hopefully yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah, we, we'll we keep you guys post updated on the Tumblr. If you follow us there, we'll let you know if and uh, when we plan on doing anything in the future. Yeah, and <laughs> if you don't follow us on Tumblr, consider checking it out, because that's where, that's where our HQ really is. Yeah. It's the Stranger mm-hmm. Than Fanfiction pod Tumblr. Yes. I think it's just called Stranger Than Fanfiction, though, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it, the URL, I believe, is Stranger Than Fanfiction Podcast, all one word, okay. at Tumblr, yeah. or .tumblr.com, obviously. Yeah. Um, we are on brand. We are very on brand. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, so with that out of the way, um, let's actually dive into the meat of our, I was about to say the meat of our potato, but that doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh it does. There is potato sandwich. Yeah, there is there is meat in potato, the potato meat, but it's not like actual meat. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway. Um, oh, so is our podcast a potato now? I guess so. <laughs> I didn't what think food go there is our yet, podcast? It's a potato cast now. Yeah, because we're we're we've been couch potatoes in quarantine. Unless you, <laughs> Alyssa, have been doing some secret workouts that I don't know about. Oh uh, yeah, you know I I do lifts. I have a whole like set up in my basement where i do like 50 reps a day and now my muscles i'm super jacked now bro i am i am having to accept that like nothing beats a a, like a little dumbbell because i own heavy objects and i'm like i don't need a dumbbell i can just like lift the stuff i own and it's fine i'm like oh the weight doesn't distribute properly and i can't hold it yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway adult problem um (laughs) So, back to the meat of our potato sandwich. Yes. It took us two weeks to make a potato salad. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, what's your impression of the epilogue, Alyssa? Um, so, it's, I mean, well, I, I think the first thing is that I'm pretty sure, I, I am, it is nice that the, um, that... Artificus kind of decided and correctly assumed that Alpha is the more threatening figure than Cobra. And yeah. And I yeah. feel like especially since Alpha has been the 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 person that oh my god, sorry my dog is um that has been like that they've been fighting the whole time, it makes sense that they would shift the focus from Cobra to Alpha. Cuz like they never yeah. really did like 
Okay, so that's kind of, that's a pro, but then it kind of leads into my con, which is that, like, it kind of reveals to us that, like, Cobra, even though Cobra was sort of, like, kind of hyped up as the big bad, he never really, they never really got, like, a final confrontation. Like, he was mm-hmm. gone, like, in the time machine by the time the rest yeah, of the Yeah, he was just not present, and mm-hmm. he wasn't even, I mean, I guess he was commanding stuff, so he has, like, that kind of... Fire Lord Ozai vibe, where it's like you see his like silhouette most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the then the real villain is like the the henchman underneath yeah. him, which is a little it's, like it's okay in theory, mm. but like in practice in this stick, it's like it's. I think the author just didn't really reflect on like who's the real villain, blah mm. blah. They just kind of went along with it, and then it just felt like we didn't know who to focus on. Yeah, exactly. It it really did feel very, um, very hit or miss to some degree. Um, and... Yeah, and, uh, it just occurred to me, maybe we should summarize the epilogue. You know, that would be a good idea. (laughs) Who wants to take it? (laughs) Technically, chapter 51, so if it's odd numbers, it'd be you, but if you don't want to do it, I'm more than happy to quick summarize. Yeah, so I, I skimmed some parts, even though it's, like, really short, mm. and, yeah, but so basically, uh, Cobra has his own, like, little secret bunker, um, which the author refers to as his venture, and they're not using the right word, but it's kind of no. quirky, so anyway... So he's he's in hiding now because the police are after him, mm-hmm. and what he's trying to do is he's trying to like switch, he's trying to have like a, a Freaky Friday consciousness switch with Alpha, but it doesn't work. But Alpha does have the ability to read his mind, and then it's a little confusing because um, Cobra is like outside of his body, but he's still alive. Like his his body's dead. Mm-hmm. But then his consciousness got switched to like a different body. Right. They say, uh, then, only a few seconds later, he ended the life of his creator, the physical life at least, his creator being Cobra. Mm-hmm. The physical life at least, because his spirit was still living in him. It happened quick and painless. His This usual grace he authorizes only because it concerned his own life. The writing continues to be weird. Yep. So anyway, Cobra is on the run, but he's not dead. But he's yeah. like a lot less powerful. He's like in exile. And then Alpha, whom no one really seems to care about, like the cops don't seem to care about him at all. And he's suddenly like way more powerful. Yeah. So yeah, as as the chapter ends, Cobra had survived in a new body equipped with superpower. Yep. So, making us a, fun a new cliffhanger, villain. I guess. Yeah, a new hmm? villain for for the for the next for the for future stories and stuff. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, I respect the idea of this cliffhanger mm-hmm. and this epilogue because, like, we wrapped up the main characters and now mm-hmm. we come back to the villains and stuff, and it's like it's a pretty standard concept. And if it were well made, it would be engaging, but it's just not. 
because yeah. it's like we don't care about the story. We don't care yeah. about the villain. This is confusing and bad. Yeah, and it's it's almost the problem is like too is that Alpha is brainless and unmotivated. So Yeah, Alpha doesn't not, have a personality. Yeah, he's not a very compelling villain. And I guess they imply that Cobra and Alpha have sort of merged in that now like Alpha is Cobra's personality, but you know, still has his powers and everything. But I don't mm. know. And but like Cobra again, we don't have the Cobra and the heroes have barely interacted in any conceivable way. And the only way in which anything's personal between them and the and the heroes is when that he was the one who I mean, he didn't well, so Violet went to stop him in the past, but he wasn't even the one who put her into cryostasis. She fell in <laughs> accidentally. Yeah, it's super so, indirect. Yeah, so like they it's not There's even no that he conflict. was the one who like sent her back in time or something and then no no now it's personal. Um Yeah. So, yeah, it's not, uh, it's just really weird because it just feels like a lot of this is unnecessary. Like, mm-hmm. it could have been avoided if Violet didn't call him. Yeah, and Or and if again, Violet went back in time right after she fell in. Like, I keep saying this over and over again, but, the, like, the story never explains why this can't happen. I know. Because that would be kind of a perfect solution to Violet's problem, at least. Yeah, and you wouldn't, yeah. I don't know. I guess they didn't think about it, or maybe they thought ruining the time stream was like an, an enough of a deterrence. Yeah, you always gotta, you always gotta uh, ensure that your point of no return actually is a point of no return. Right. Otherwise, you have like a plot hole. Yeah. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. and again, as I mentioned earlier, they didn't even get a final showdown with Cobra, so our investment of him as a villain is a little low. Like, basically, they got rid of Cobra in favor of, like, his robots and his clones, which, again, are mindless and don't have any motivation, aside from what Cobra tells them. So it's yeah, just kind of... There's a lot of focus on the robots. Ju- just makes it so disinteresting in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, there's way too much focus on the robots. Like, first of all, there's one robot, and then there's another robot, and then there's, like, a third robot, and then there's, like, a fourth robot in the background. Mm-hmm. And the robots have, like, zero personality, zero motivation. They're worse than the clones, because at least the clones are, like, humans. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I mean, even the clones yeah. don't have, are, are depicted as brainless, which, again, you know, yeah. that doesn't need to be the case. Like, just the because robots they're clones are doesn't mean they're, the worst. Yeah. they're, they're mindless. Or they ha- don't have to be mindless, is what I mean. Yeah, so this, this epilogue was, like, compared to the rest of the thing, it was okay. But, you yeah. know, it's not good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, if we want to talk about the fic in general, unless, do you have more to say on the epilogue? Uh, I mean, not really. It's just kind of a setup, and it's, you know, all the problems are, that it has are sort of compounded by what happened previously in the fic, and, like, you know, there there's not anything here that's necessarily um, unique in terms, like, when compared to the rest of it, I guess. Like, it's not uniquely bad, it's not uniquely good, it's just kind of... Yeah, it doesn't stand out. 
Yeah. So I don't really have much Consistent with all of the mistakes of the rest of the six, so... (laughs) I will say, though, um, so when I first read this fic, this section, there's the line that says, Alpha stumbled through the lab while he ripped off the diodes from his head and turned, and during that he had knocked over some test tubes. I read diodes as dildos. (laughs) Which I was like, that would be a way different fic if that Whoa. was the case. Damn. Why, why does Alpha why do have, dildos have dildos on his head? Secret lair. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god. Yeah. Um, imagine this whole thing is just a very elaborate roleplay. <laughs> oh my lord. Between like like Alpha and Cobra are just a couple, you know, like Oh man, and they're like, all right, so let's make this role play. It's really sexy. We're gonna have we're gonna have a whole we're gonna have these two teenagers who are like randomly trying to get us. Yeah, this this ragtag group of teens are very powerful and they hate us. Yeah, they're and just like they're we both. We gotta fight them now. Yeah, we're both masochists, so it works out. You know, we both really hate. We both really love to lose. We just get a lot of. It just gets us off. You know. Yeah. Man, it really put man with this whole premise. We get to fight the Robinsons. Yeah. My dog is like pawing at me. Buddy, I know, I know, I know. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know. Um, sorry. Anyway, um, (laughs) it it really in this context, though, it really does put when Cobra tries to drown Alpha into a new light. Uh, but anyway, off this topic. Um... Oh wow! Okay, the the line. Okay, before we move on to the the rest of the fake, this line is just so funny. Um, when the police finally entered the underground laboratory, they only found Tenner's corpse. The diagnosis: cerebral apoplexy, commonly known as a stroke. And I'm like, nobody calls it cerebral apoplexy. They just call it a stroke. Yeah, there's no reason for you to include the medical term except for it to be like, so I know the medical term. Yeah, the police aren't even going to use medical terms. They just no, no, they would like, like, oh, guess they have like a stroke. They're not, they're not medics. I mean, they, to be yeah. fair, I don't even know if they'd be able to determine just from looking at the body if he had a stroke or not. Yeah, they, like it would be like a coroner. Yeah, yeah, like you'd need some medical medical skills to determine that. Yeah, an autopsy, but we we felt like using big words today. Exactly. Oh god. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, Team Future. Yes. Team Future. Wait, yes. do we do we want to talk about the whole story first, or the language stuff first? Like, what order are we doing? Uh, well. Because, well, I was going to put in the description, I was going to put, like, for people who want the TRDL and don't want to, like, oh, okay. see everything okay. else, I was going to put, like, a little time codes. But, I mean, the language okay. stuff does kind of, could be wrapped into that, so we could talk about it in conjunction with the rest of the fic. Because language is important to it. So, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I yeah, I guess we could talk about the whole fic, and then we'll talk about language stuff as a separate thing. Okay. Just in case we get distracted. Yeah, uh, sorry if I'm if I am just a little distracted. Yeah, my dog's flipping out right now, so I'm trying to pet him while also talking. And then if he like 
puts his paw. Okay, I was I was just talking about our tendency to get distracted. Oh yeah, that too. That's also a problem. That that wasn't wasn't like a passive aggressive. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't think it was passive aggressive. I was just also apologizing the audience too. Um, Okay. But, um, uh, yes, we do get distracted via tangents all the time too. So Um, the curse of having thoughts on many things oh yeah we both have such huge brains so and we have just so many thoughts about those things in those huge brains yeah speaking of having a huge brain wait this is Mm -hmm. the author the the last author's note they list out all the beta readers and there are five of them yeah and That's, like, even more disappointing, because now there are five people to blame for the quality <laughs> of this thing. I know! I'm like, wow, did not, none of them look at this and were like, you know, maybe this sounds a little weird. Like, I don't even, I just don't want to know, like, what was, what was the first draft of this if, like, this is the final product? Yeah, like, this is, okay, with five beta readers, we have sentences like this. Then he positioned himself on the other side of the machine and did the same with himself while the shouts of the approaching troops were getting closer. Like, it's such a clunky sentence. With a sentence like that, I imagine someone, like, adjusting the machine five degrees, and then they adjust themselves, like, five degrees (laughs) parallel. Like, they're adjusting, like, little action figures, almost. Yeah, and it's just... It just really it's, sucks. Like, dudes, if you're planning on being... It's like those being... language subtleties, probably. But, like, yeah. I'm assuming all of the beta readers are native English speakers. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm assuming, because if... I'm assuming that, like, I know Artificus at one point was, like, asking people, like, in the opposites, hey, anyone wants mm-hmm. to be a beta reader? So I'm assuming that, sh- that they're pu- pulling from fanfic readers off of fanfiction.net, which are mostly English speakers, so... Yeah, at least for Meet the Robinsons, it's a primarily English fandom. Yeah. With, like, a a tiny Spanish-speaking section. Yeah. And we are gonna get more on the language stuff later. Yes! But, yeah, so the overall premise is that Violet um, gets stuck in a cryogenetic pod machine thingy whilst fighting this villain that she just meets like two seconds before and apparently he wants to destroy entire cities but it's like how do you really isolate an explosion to a whole city i don't know we don't know but he's he wants to do it for money he's like bribing he's bribing president bush well, they don't yeah. say it's President Bush, but, like, given the time period that this probably took place in, President we Bush. We can safely assume it's um, Bush. Or, um, well, in Violet's time, it would be, like, Nixon? Well, yeah, if, if it was if it was taking place in, well, 62, oh, no, 62 would have been Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, I think. Okay. Uh, I yeah, think, it or Lyndon B. Johnson, I forget love. when Kenny was assassinated, but, like, one of those two. Nixon was in right. the 70s. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, not in this universe, but like no. in, the, in the Incredibles universe in general, it would have been that's... Nixon. Yeah. Um, and now they don't mention the president's name, but I think this fic is assuming two thousand five, which is when the movie came out. So it would be president. It would be um, Bush. Anyway, 
Damn. Um, so yeah. Uh, Kate so, W. Bush. Yep. <laughs> threatening that W. Um, um, so so yeah, they're he's extorting the president of the United States for two billion dollars, and holding a city hospital. But anyway, yeah, she falls into this cryogenesis. Yeah, chamber. mostly his 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 motivation is so clear. Like here we can tell he wants money, and it's like why does he want money? And he's like, and then we got a bunch of info dumping that apparently he to work. For Neil and yes. or with Neil, mm-hmm. but that doesn't give us his motivation. No, it's, it's just kind of backstory for backstory's sake. Like it's not even a cool twist because, no. like, we had no idea who this guy was at yeah, all before. And like, so it's like, eh. yeah, and like, I mean, the thing too that to keep in mind is that in two thousand five. Lewis hasn't even been adopted yet. <laughs> yeah, this guy's way older than Cornelius. He's like about two decades older. Yeah, than so like, so like Cobra's evil ambitions obviously predate him working with Neil. So yeah, his yeah, motivation he's like, he's is still a question prison. mark. He's been to prison for like tax. Oh yeah, fraud. he was sent to prison for tax evasion or tax fraud. Yeah. And, and then I guess when he got out, mm-hmm. he then started working for Neil or something. And then, mm-hmm. and then like he was like, "Oh man, Neil wants to do, like, I'll solve the energy crisis because he's a kind man." Meanwhile, I want to hog the energy for myself to destroy the city. And it's yeah, like, like, why do you want to destroy the, the city? And it's with? like because I'm evil is the only answer I can come up with. Yeah, I mean, this author, we we wish that all authors understood the concept of subjectivity a bit more. Mm. You know? Like, because yeah. not everybody's going to think Neil's a good person, and that's okay. Yeah, and you should like, play you that have, to your advantage. Like, you can have your character, your villain, hate the protagonist or whoever for very viable, legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't need to be fake. They can be legitimate and that legitimacy can make the villain more interesting because you're like, wow, not only do you have a villain who might be not necessarily sympathetic, but at least has reasonable motivations, you also Mm -hmm. then consequently have a protagonist or, you know, side character, whoever they have their ire against, who's more complex now. They're not just like, they're just not, they're not just like unilaterally good. They have some flaws that um, someone is... Yeah, but unfortunately, the author didn't think of that, so they're they're just dancing around the the subject of like, okay, why, why does Cobra hate Neil? Um, I guess he just hates nice people. All right, that works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that doesn't work. No, and it's uh. it's it's just very, it's just very upsetting that like, they didn't really because like yeah, I, I mean, mean the Neil, the antagonist. Neil's a- motivation is like the most important part of your story yeah uh secondary maybe only to character growth but like mm-hmm. it's kind of the spine of your entire plot and if it doesn't work then the whole story falls apart Ooh, you okay buddy gosh anyway, sorry hi hello what? can you hear me yes okay sorry um yeah no i i agree with you on that one and um yeah, your 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 villain needs to be or antagonist, you know, needs to be 
um, intriguing and have a good motivation. Because otherwise, it's like, why are we here? And Cobra's motivation is just, it's just the puddle. There's just nothing. Um, yeah, the threats so. to the, the protagonists have to be, like, legit in order for them to be compelling. They yeah. can't just be like, well, why don't, they can't be, like, so unthreatening that, like, why don't the characters just move to Iceland? Like, why don't they just ignore them? <laughs> you know? And, like, yeah. you could kind of just ignore Cobra. Yeah. You could almost do that, honestly. Yeah. He just kind of self-destructed himself. You know, it's just weird. Yeah, like, he just kind of, his whole, I mean, clearly his whole building is, like, like, his whole, his whole setup, his whole setup is just very, um, very precarious. Like, robots are tearing through his fortress like butter. They're just willy-nilly shooting everywhere. Like, okay. Yeah, like, if, if, if only someone noticed him, that's enough to just, like, take him down immediately. Because he's apparently, his, his only pro is that he's, like, hidden. Yeah. Because as soon as people notice, he, he can, all his entire operation can be infiltrated, like, so easily, apparently. Yeah. So, you know, just make your villains compelling, and we don't, we won't run into this problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, anyway, just to, like, overall summarize really quickly, again, um, so Violet ends up traveling yeah. in 30 years into the future, um... Yeah. Because in this universe, she lives in 2005 and not the canon of the movie, which is, I think, 1962. Yeah, like... even though, as we said in, in episode one, part one, uh, setting it in the canon time would make for, like, a really cool contrast. Yeah. Overall, it'd just be, like, way funner in terms of world building and stuff. Like, yeah. imagine, it's, it's just like you're not... It's like you make a chicken and you don't salt it. Like, imagine how much more exciting it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been way more interesting if they had like taken the. It had flavor. The like yeah. actual disparity in time and really pushed with it. But regardless, she yeah, because we, we introduced the concept for Violet at this point that she feels like a foreigner and she feels completely alienated from her own family from yeah. the whole time and setting and world mm. and we introduced that and it's like we talked about how that concept is at least compelling despite how bad the writing is mm -hmm. but then the author drops that idea so quickly because oh, they, yep. they just don't know what to do with it I guess and that's like super disappointing because it was leading up to something that was relatively interesting even though it was like very clumsily handled yeah, yeah. and then it just, the quality, like, just kind of, like, nosedives, because the next thing Violet does is she tries to steal the time machine, she and Wilbur argue, and they crash the time machine in the lake, oh boy, where did they get that idea? No idea. <laughs> anyway, um, so older Wilbur and Violet are, like, superficial assholes, uh, they make, like, a super dramatic personality change, and it's only four years later, like, why yeah. would you have two time travel plots especially if your second time travel plot is only four years into the future it's so unnecessary because the second time travel plot only distracts from the the violet fish out of water plot and then the action plot with cobra yeah like, it was completely unnecessary because mm -hmm. now the author has to constantly differentiate between Wilbur 
and younger Wilbur and older Violet and younger Violet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it's just, so yeah, that happens. And then we basically get sort of this whole, basically this spends the rest of the story is spent with, um, you know, Wilbur and Violet, um, figuring out who Cobra is and then infiltrating his base to take him down. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. most of the actual infiltration doesn't, there's not a lot that happens, really. I think the only notable thing that I'll mention is just that, um, um, medium. Yeah. <laughs> medium, medium kills someone. Like, a crazy backstory yeah. all of a sudden, and then she has, like, some kind of you know, moral dilemma because she's extremely powerful, mm. but she's suffered medical abuse, and she she's so powerful she can't really relate to humans at all because she can, like, read minds and, like, know the entire future. Yeah. So she's one of those. And then it's, like, briefly, mm. it's like, oh, by the way, and then we come back to the story, and I'm just like, hang on a sec, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's so so yeah. So basically, um, one of the superheroes kills kills a man. Also, uh, like Violet gets briefly depowered and then repowered. Also, she has a she has a super boyfriend, a super ex boyfriend. Oh yeah, and she they has have, super like, ex boyfriend. A really nice mm -hmm. friendship dynamic going yeah. on. Yeah, very that, um, fairly wholesome, all things considering. Yeah, that she does not have. Emphasis does not at all have with Wilbur, no. her own love interest. Um, yeah. This fic is popular because it's a Wilbur-Violet fic, but uh, Wilbur and Violet kind of never get together until, like, the very, very last minute. Yeah. And throughout the entire fic, they hate each other. They and are each it's themselves. not even remotely funny or quirky. They just mm. bicker. And, like, Wilbur's calling her a bitch, and, like, Violet's yeah. calling him an asshole. Yeah, it's like... just, it's just the slug. And the only thing I'll say, at the very least, is that um, by the end, you know, Cobra's mm -hmm. defeated, the fortress that was about to explode, like, the big, the big, big stakes, like, the third act big stake is that the fortress is about to explode, but they prevent it from exploding, and then yeah. they capture and Cobra. And I do like Neil's I do like Neil's little, um, his little gotcha at the end, the twist that he, he was, because his daughter was kidnapped, because they have a daughter named Wilma. Oh, anyway. yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. so Wilma was kidnapped, and he's forced to, because she's, she's being held hostage, so he's being forced to fix the time machine mm -hmm. for Cobra to use, and we, we don't really know why, like, what is Cobra going to do with the time machine? Like, I think all I would do with the time machine is try to win the lottery. You know, I don't know. Like, what would I do with time machine? Anyway, <laughs> um, maybe warn someone about Brony. Yeah, that would <laughs> and be the environment. I think I would go back to, like, the 60s or something. And maybe I would try to kill the Koch brothers. I don't know. Anyway, um, Neil is able to rig it so that whenever Cobra tries to use it, he teleports right in front of the police, which, you yeah. know, is, like, really in favor they're really in favor of neil so it works out for him it's great yeah and yeah yeah i don't know is is there more to say i think so that's violet... like the summary I, eventually violet um 
you know, yeah. return back to their lives, and then the epilogue happens, which we talked about a little previously, but in case you didn't listen to that part, because you skipped to the TRDL part, Alf, uh, one of the Cobra's clones, and he basically copies himself into the clone, like, clop. The clone and him become one, and now Cobra is the same, but he now he has, like, super medium powers, and that's that's the cliffhanger. Um, yeah, we glossed over the clones, and the clones are actually really important to the story, except that the story is, like, so unfocused and maximalist, because Cobra has, okay, first of all, Cobra has some, like, special explosive that can explode cities. Yeah. He has clones, he has giant robots, he has a big lair. He has some evil backstory with Neil, mm -hmm. and he also briefly has a time machine. It's like, man, pick pick a lane, like pick one, <laughs> right? Like he's you know? just—it's just like all the like generic super villain cliches just all rolled into one. So he's yeah, just with the no substance, super villain whatsoever. And yeah, yeah. So the important—the important thing to remember about the clones is that the clones are clones of dead supers. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge missed opportunity. Like, imagine if we dragged Helen and Bob into it, and they were forced to fight off their their old friends. Like, oh, that would, that be would awesome. have been that would have been high that, drama. Yeah. Also, and then there would have been like more background on who each of these supers were. Like, yeah, there was mm -hmm. girl who like has she died because she was sucked into a plane because she was like the first example of why not to use cape. Yeah. And then there was. Uh, Cyclops, who's apparently gay, and then there's like a bunch of. It's cool. Yeah, it yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's. Yeah, um, it's. Because it's 30 years into the future, these could all be superheroes that Violet knows personally, like Void or someone. Like, yeah. come on. I mean, yeah. Void didn't exist when the story was written, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it is a big missed <sighs> opportunity. A lot of this fic is a missed opportunity. But now that yeah. we've finished the summary, <laughs> let's, like, back up a bit also, and then violet is just super aggro in this entire fic like older she violet is. <laughs> she at first she's like incredibly superficial and mm -hmm. she's going like manic aggressive about prom and about looking sexy and feminine and like getting the right guy i don't know and yeah. she's like she's like oh she's my best friend i love her Mm -hmm. Oh, but she took my dress, so now I want to kill her. Yeah. And then you, you just kind of notice it, and then, like, throughout the fic, the, the author's just adding more problems onto Violet's plate, so she's... I don't know, I think this is their way of giving her death. It's really sad, because uh... we, we had a good character. We started off with a really good character for Violet, and then suddenly you learn, oh, Violet's afraid of the dark. Okay, well, first of all, Violet, before you into the future, she... she learns to adapt to the future by just becoming incredibly superficial and materialistic and like whiny mm -hmm. like there's yeah. no other way to put it she's like whiny and annoying and weird yeah pretty much and then the author says oh violet's afraid of the dark because there was a super villain like there was a recent event that made her afraid of the yeah green we're not privy to the event and i'm just like yeah that okay. happens all screen and there's no there's no plot point that comes up later about her fear of the dark. It's, okay, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And then, okay, and then because that's a long list. So then you learn that she's also a smoker. Oh yeah. And she's she's a tobacco addict, so she needs to like take smoke breaks and stuff. And she like kind of panics when she doesn't see her 
things in her bag, and I'm just like, what is mm-hmm. this? Could have been a plot point or something or whatever, but it has nothing to do with Violet's character like, at all. No, it it doesn't. And then it gets even worse because then really offhand, the story mentions that she has an eating disorder. It doesn't even mention eating disorder. It's just like, oh, she didn't eat all day. Damn. Yeah. Like, it's they like basically... The, the most... Reason... Oh, sorry if I'm talking over you. Continue. No, it's just the most superficial way that's not how you're supposed to talk about deadly illnesses. Yeah, yeah like, basically, the Violet is character... The older Violet, the Violet after Violet... After the four-year time skip that happens in the story, older Violet mm-hmm. is basically given, I guess, a lot of the like cliche mean girl high school stereotypes. Like she's obsessed with the clothes, like you said. And mm-hmm. I do think that to some degree, I think if I'm gonna guess, I think the whole, like, like obviously, like when when we say that she has an eating disorder, we don't necessarily. Oh, I guess also trigger warning for. Dinosaurs. We'll put yeah, that yeah. in the description. Uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> Don't you love that I have to put warning. that in here? I love it. Anyway. Um, well, we did talk about dildos, Alyssa. So we did. I mean, no, we are, we are an 18 plus podcast, so I don't think it's like inappropriate <laughs> yeah. to talk about. But um, It's not inappropriate to talk about dildos, but it's just like anything can happen. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but anyway, my point is, is that like... Mm-hmm. The the fic frames the whole the way it comes up I believe is that that she notes that she is really hungry because she hadn't eaten all day and the reason she hadn't eaten all day wasn't because you know she was busy like fighting monsters or fighting yeah I mean when you're fighting crime when do you have time to eat yeah right right like I've seen high fantasy movies and stuff where like so much stuff is happening and I'm like wait do these guys not eat <laughs> right so they never just like sit down and have a meal and then just like maybe they maybe they have a system so like they must drink a lot of energy drinks and protein shakes and i imagine that there's like a special pocket in the super suit where they have a one protein bar that they munch on for the day. that's my theory yeah well at least why violet is an exception to this theory because it just straight up says that she hasn't eaten yeah and but yeah like... it says that violet hasn't eaten I think because she wanted to fit into her dress. Yeah, basically she wanted, it was characterized that she wanted to look good in her dress. And she, and then she, I think, contemplates eating a chocolate bar, but then feels kind of gross about it. Because, like, oh no, now she's going to look not good in her dress. And the tone, and the tone is very, like, like, I, like, the tone sort of pins that as, like, a character flaw that Violet has. Like, oh, look at how superficial she is for caring about how she looks in her dress kind of deal. And... Yeah. And it kind of in that oh, way, like, you know so how, bad. like, again, the mean girl high school prep stereotype with the whole, oh, no, I can't eat this because there's too many carbs or whatever. That Yeah, like, I'm really whole... trying why... I'm really trying to understand why in the first place they, they did... That is really hard because it it does not improve the story at all. No, it doesn't. And like we said in previous episodes, the only working theory right now, other than like maybe comedic effect, but even though it's like not at all funny, is to contrast present the present day Wilbur and Violet from their yeah. four years into the future selves. But again, 
you could have just cut out that whole plot point. Like, Violet could get caught before she goes back in time, or, you know. Yeah, and like, then they didn't need to go back the in the... same events could happen. Like, it's so confusing for no reason. Yeah, it's, I think, like, so... so but anyway, like, back to Violet. Yeah, so, so, like, the... So, obviously, the whole problem with, like, the whole that bit is, like, that, well, one... It's definitely, like, regurgitating this kind of stereotype without critically examining it. And it's pretty harmful to just kind of imply that your character's, like, clear problems with food is, like, a character flaw and not a serious debilitating illness, you know? Yeah, it normalizes disordered eating as if it's, like, just an idiosyncratic quirk. Yeah, and, well, the fic doesn't necessarily think that it's a good thing that Violet does it. It's it's not framed as, like, something it's serious. It's not taken seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, 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 it's trivial, and just kind of, like, like, a, like, like, one little tiny bullet point on the long laundry list of why this version of Violet isn't the best, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Although, now that I've read the whole fic, I do want to take note that like older violet like like one of the things that's a problem with this fic so like to back up and get a bit more general too is like the older versions of both wilbur and both violet they don't really like grow or change over the Mm -hmm. course of the story like no there's no character this whole like eating disorder thing we're bringing up that happens pretty late like i want to say it happens like right before Wilbur and Violet officially get together, and again, that's like literally the last, like the la- the literal last chapter could happen, and is when it happens, which I love it. <laughs> yeah, but, presumably you would make the, these characters worse in order to make the character growth arc a little steeper. Yeah, but that's not at all what happens. Yeah, it just kind of stays like, the same. They have they have like a little moment of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But it's not earned, it's just kind of, like, forced in there because it's the natural progression. The author kind of notices that, oh, okay, it's the ending, so there needs to be, you know, there there needs to be, like, a heart-to-heart. Like, let's let's just check that off our list. So, like, yeah, uh, the older Will and Violet have a heart-to-heart. Like, they yeah, all talk to each other, but they all have, like, a one-on-one. It's like they're taking turns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like... Like, one of the problems with this, and, and I think the problems with Older Violet and Older Wilbur's dynamic kind of echo into the rest of the fic, because it feels like this author doesn't know how to make character-like relationships that aren't, at least to some degree, argumentative or, like, mean-spirited in some way or another, right? Because, like... Yeah, they do. It shows up in the relationship between Violet and her two nieces, Emily and Flame. Yes. It, like, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, yeah. you bitch! And, yeah. like, the, the idea was, like, oh, this was some resentment building up over years, but it's, uh, the way it's written, it's, like, it comes out of nowhere, and it's, like, yeah. the slap in the face, because the author very casually uses the B word all the time. Yes. And... None of the five beta readers decided to point that out. I guess. I, yeah, it's weird because it's like the only curse or strong language in this entire story, really. Um, yeah, like the rest of it is very safe in terms of like curses and strong in, language. 
And in chapter one, Violet even calls the uh, the mother for whom she's babysitting a witch. So yeah. I was like, oh, I guess we're 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 staving off from swear words. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. You know, I thought it was like all PG. Yeah. And then suddenly, um, it's also just like very sexist because we're calling yes. um, Lucy the character. Just to clarify, Lucy is the character that Wilbur dates. So we're calling her a bitch. We're calling Violet a bitch. Yeah. Um, whenever anybody acts of any gender, whenever anybody acts annoying, we are also calling them a bitch. Yes. Like, people will frequently quote speak in a bitchy tone, and I'm just like, calm down. This yeah, is a lot. it's just it's just <laughs> very like I wanna I I want to I part of me wants to give the author a little bit of a benefit of the doubt here. Like I think I think maybe we like, we should have asked that about our uh to our german friends <laughs> right like, i yeah. think we forgot that that could have been cool that could have been um, an interesting question i mean hey oh no no i was gonna ask them like oh i could text him but i'm like no it's like 1 a.m where they are so uh, i mean he might be I know up, in german they, but... have a, they have a couple words for slut so mm. that's that's the extent of my knowledge yeah but it could be one of those translation error things where it's like maybe definitely maybe the author thought that like bitchy or bitch was a more neutral term in english or yeah and then there's there's always how the way that uh english is incorporated into different languages as slang but with a completely different connotation and pronunciation etc like because one was a different word which is interesting when that happens but yeah we're gonna we're Martin, I mean, it's just like I can't forgive the beta readers, you know? Like, yeah. we can forgive the author, but you had five beta readers. I know, yeah. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little unfortunate and kind of like, you gotta look at it with suspicion a bit. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I will echo your sentiment very much about like the sexism that's in this fic, which is a little that's weird. That's a lot. Considering the fact that Artificus, I think in like the previous, ep- the first episode, we talked a little bit more about Artificus, and we won't spend too much time talking about them here, but we will mention at the very least that I think on one of their many, they're very online, and one of the places where they're online, they mentioned that they like feminism. Now, of course, who knows yeah. if... But if femi- that, mainstream the- feminism back then isn't the same thing, same as mainstream feminism is now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're, like, expected to read, like, all, like, the theory, and you're reading all, like, these Twitter threads. But back then, if you were a feminist, it was just, like, don't be a housewife. Yeah. Like, that's... It was very... Yeah. Our goals were a lot lower than they are now, I find. Yeah. hmm And I would say, like... It's also quite possible that, like, Artif- like I don't know when Artificus wrote that. Like, maybe she has, or I'm sorry, they have a more refined idea of feminism, like, now yeah, this than they was, did in the past. Maybe this, this was or maybe, story from... or, you know, maybe they, they, this, you know, that was written at the same time and they consider some of a feminist when they wrote this. Like, I don't know, but... Yeah, Either this was way. written in 2009, so it's over 10 years ago that it was published. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on, like, what circles you're hanging out in. But strictly speaking about mainstream, the mainstream point of view on feminism was still, like, that it was a little radical. But, you know, women maybe do just after all, you know? Maybe <laughs> they have a point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it, it's just, it's, it's really weird because, like, yeah, pretty much all the female characters in this story are very, there, there's a lot of pejoratives towards them. And the fact that, like, yeah, it the fact that, like, makes sense. If, if fan fiction is supposed to be, like, an escape for the, the majority female demographic they're you know there's everybody of every gender and stuff but like the majority remains mostly female i think mostly women on fan fiction at least it depends on like because there are other fan spaces where that's different yeah but fan fiction is a largely it used to be and it kind of still is a largely female escape and this is supposed to be a romance fic in the summary it says contains willet so like you know if i were a fan in 2009 and I like pick this up I'd be like ooh where's where's the drama where's the sexual tension where's the fluff like that's those yeah. are the beats that you kind of expect in a romance story and you don't get that at all you just no. get them hating each other and I will say <laughs> like, like I've said this before but we don't need to keep saying that because this is the TLDR version but like I wrote, I was one of, I read this fic back in 2009, 2010 when it was still being upload, published, um, and yeah. to the point where I actually left some comments, have fun trying to figure out which ones are mine, viewers, <laughs> but, um, so when I, when I, I remember reading it, but I remember mm-hmm. I didn't read past a certain point. And that certain point was, like, right around chapter, I'd say, 17, 18, which coincidentally is right around the time when older Wolverine and Violet show up. So I feel like even me, as yeah, the I, reader, I wasn't too, I remember interested in I remember, this whole new dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, like, as a, as a real-life reader, we have one right here, guys. That's true. Hey. <laughs> She's a bird. Um... I also read it, like, shortly after it was done, possibly. Like, I remember I was, like, I don't know, somewhere between 2009-2011, which mm-hmm. is the life of the story itself. But, like, I remember reading past that just because I was, like, well, maybe maybe it gets better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I think I read, like, one or two chapters further than you. Mm-hmm. And then I gave up as well because yeah. i don't remember the ending at all yeah no i i didn't remember the ending at all either um and the impression i get with this story is that a lot of other people lost interest mm. as it went on yeah and i do say it really there is a huge tone change well not maybe not a huge tone change but like the the priorities that the fic has basically change as soon as the time travel happens because, yeah, the tone is completely different. It yeah, was, like, because you got the first half, mm-hmm. not half, up to, like, chapter 15, 16-ish. Yeah, because it's so this, long. honestly, fairly compelling story about Violet being a fish out of water in the future. And I think that's really, that conflict and that that stuff was really what people were there for. You know, that's Yeah, what it has a lot, really that premise has a lot of potential to be character driven yeah. and emotional. Yeah, and you have this whole and compelling compared to idea, the other half of pacing. Yeah. Like you have this like like what better place for a romance to happen than for your fish out of water to find this like you know, person that they care about in a situation that they normally would think that they wouldn't care about, you know? 
Ooh, a hot guy with licorice ice cream hair. <laughs> Who can resist? <laughs> yeah, but like, but you know, and then you have this romance, and like, mm-hmm. you could, there's so many like ways in which a romantic, like, drama slash, yeah, drama could like really be improved. Like, like, you could have this really interesting story about, you know, um, Violet having to like, get to like come to terms with with her new life and then like you know like had the relationship yeah and that... you could you could still have kind of a a thriller mystery going on like, oh yeah but it's not it's i think the author was really pushing for like high stakes that they also didn't have the the, the capacity to write for but they're like there needs to be a robot fight scene yeah, and like, so, and the thing that's... and like, you don't need that. I think yeah. if I were to rewrite it, I would lean more towards the second half is about Violet and Wilbur finding out about Tenor, and Wilbur's involved because he he's like met Tenor like in his childhood or something. Like he knows him personally. Yeah, and Violet's like, no, that dude trapped me in a pod for thirty years. So like, and they're they're kind of forced to work together, and then they're like forced. To overcome their differences and then like you yeah. know sparks fly but then they get kidnapped you know that kind of thing yeah you and know? like and like the thing about the thing that kind of sucks so much is that violet in theory has a very personal vendetta against cobra because he's the one i mean again we said that it was an accident she fell in but he's in a lot of ways still the reason why she's stuck in the future so her seeking out Cobra and trying to defeat him ties directly into her desires for retribution against what happened mm-hmm. to her and her character as mm-hmm. displayed in the story. So it just, it mystifies me so much that the author would just chuck that whole juicy bit right out the window and then replace it with this really boring, tired, annoying like 20 some odd chapters of the older Wilbur and older Violet being the bickering forever <laughs> while yeah, they fight generic like robots who have no author. personality and generic clones have no personality like what yeah. what is more interesting about this and there's no soul there's no character there's no soul there's just no. like there's they're just like imitating that big robot movie that everybody used to like but then they're like oh wait it's war propaganda <laughs> yeah girl with the hair highlights anyway i get the impression that the author was like playing around with a lot of ideas mm-hmm. which is fine yeah and that's good because that leads you to better ideas like you could experiment but they were playing around with them as they went along and as they published the chapters so now they like trap themselves in all of these like plot points and mm-hmm. different arcs and stuff that they didn't yeah. need to yeah, because Editing is your best friend. I yeah, it is. And I think what what really because it, it also one of the things I wanted to point out too is that I feel like especially when we get into the future and then we have Flame and Emily who are also the superheroes Inferno Medium. Um, mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like she really wanted to focus on her OCs a lot more than the. Um, yeah, which is strange, because the then she, uh, then the author has decided that we are going to leave 
all focus away from the pars and talk more about the like soulless personalityless robots and like the missing villain stuff. Yeah. Like we don't even stay with the pars and the pars no. are actually like pretty interesting. They are. I kind of like to... what we started. Yeah. Yeah, like when we started when when Violet gets bumped into the future the first time. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. we get to see the pars and what they've been up to for the last 30 years. We get to re-meet them and they're in different points in their life. Dash is married. Jack yeah. Jack is around. And we have some criticisms, but overall it kind of makes sense. Like, uh, Bob is obsessed with golfing. Yeah! And Helen does was, a lot of charity work. That I thought that was, I thought they really got Bob and Helen in retirement age, like, just perfect. I was like, good. Right? Well, I mean, and... Helen, Helen, I might have she seems a little too milk housewife sometimes, but like Yeah, I think Helen would be that. a bit more active, but I'm not against the idea that she's like into charity work and political work, but I think she would do more than Yeah. Know? Not that not that charity work and political work doesn't require a lot of effort. Yeah. But she's like more of an action girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and like I it, they they drop this really juicy idea of also family drama too. But the family yeah, does not family come drama. back in, like, any capacity. Like, I mean, I literally mean zero capacity, except for Flame and Emily. For yeah. the rest of the fic, we just don't talk nope. about them again. We don't see them again, they, really, they come... except for, like, the very, very end, where there's, like, one scene after yeah, everything with, happens. Yeah, um, with Dash and Sybil, who are, like, tiss, tiss, we're gonna ground you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, the... behind their back, and it's, like... Yeah, well, that's your, the your daughter's of it. like injured. I think you should talk about the grounding like way later. Yeah, and it's it's so upsetting because there's this really interesting story hap like like that's all the drama, especially when it comes yeah, to like Violet's I thought those were gonna be problems. our characters, but then it's like no, we gotta move on. Like the author just wants more and more and more, but then they then they're like oh wait I can't actually focus on all of these equally yeah so we're just gonna be stuck with this superficial sludge yeah and Cause, like uh because yeah because sybil and dash were also interesting so they dash on the sports store but the sports store is just a front that the government just like handed to him the government could hand me a sports store <laughs> anyway <laughs> and... <laughs> right FBI, if you're listening, give give me a sports I need store. I need to steal money from all of my local jocks. Free soccer balls, everyone. You gotta buy ten hockey sticks. Oh my god. Um, anyway. Yeah, like it's just paracord. Sorry, but yeah, Good. Dash. Uh, Dash owns a sports store and Sybil's a lawyer or a journalist? No, she's a journalist. She's a journalist. But she's, like, funky. Yeah. And then they have two daughters. One is a freaky mind reader. Yeah. A human torch. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then the human torch burnt down their house because she had a fever. It's so cute. Yeah, like, the author will have these... We'll see peaks of like peak, like little little glimpses of like the real potential that this author might yeah, have. Yeah, and that all happened early on, and I think the author got tired too. I think they they aimed too high, and then everybody got bored. But the author was like, "Well, I gotta finish." So and then they just got tired. Yeah, I think they just really started to run out of steam because, like in the beginning, 
there was so much like potential there's so much character there was a lot of color there yeah. was some humor they had so many good ideas and then it's like um we don't care about any character anymore yeah bye yeah and it, it's it's just really unfortunate and it kind of mm. i think the worst part about this fic is just the lost potential because mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to live in the universe where this story kind of kept on its original trajectory. And then, because I think, I think we could have gotten something really interesting. I don't know if it could have been amazing, but like, you know, maybe you could have made it onto your fan fiction archive, your fan fiction record. Right? Art, sorry. Artificus could have won a Franny. Yeah. Which is the little statue of Franny. <laughs> But unfortunately, we live in the universe where that didn't happen, so. And Lafrani goes to not Artificus. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. I, it's just it's just really it's just really unfortunate that like. Cause like nothing at of... the end of the story, nothing worked. No. Like nothing at the beginning. No. There were many many flaws, but like we still had points of interest. We still have. Mm-hmm. Some strengths along with the weaknesses, and then at the end, it's, we're just worn out. We're left with nothing. We are yep. deprived. Yeah, basically. Uh, so yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking at my. I wrote some overall notes just to keep make oh. sure that I have. I remember all Ooh, the things I good, wanted to mention. Good going, Alyssa. I tried. Good to come student. Perfect. All right, so. <laughs> Let me read through my notes. So yeah, we talked about how the first half of the story was interesting. Violet was the best character. She had a compelling arc that became completely wasted once it got to the future. Um, yeah, early on, I did want to talk more. Early on, Violet's character was surprisingly good compared to other characterizations of her. Yeah. Because she's very practical. She's closed off. She values her family and her secret identity. Mm-hmm. And she values, like, justice. Over like Franny shit. Yeah, uh, she... it makes sense. She has she has a strong ideological point of view, strong motivation. Yeah, strong flaws and strengths. It worked, even though some of it didn't make sense. Like, why is she in her super student time? But yeah. but it worked for the most part. And then yeah, that completely went away when like only four years. Four years is not enough to change your personality so yeah. drastically, unless you unless you go through like a huge trauma or something like no yeah. anyway so violet just forgets her brain in puberty i guess yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's really frustrating because i think that's again part of the reason why like it's older what violet annoys both of us so much too i don't know mm-hmm. i'm i might i'm i speaking a little bit for you here so correct me if i'm oh, wrong oh no she like... she annoys me quite a bit yeah, so and cool. at least on my end, it annoys me just because Artificus really nailed Violet's persona. Yeah. Like, I haven't read that like, much Willette what's, or... What's not clicking? You know? To use, yeah. To use uh, the expression. Because, like, you were there. You had it. Yeah. You had one job. Yeah, and it's like... It's like... Because I've read... I'm not too many incredible slash Willette fix in my time, but I've read enough that, like, a lot of people, when they characterize Violet, it's typically, like, just a very kind of author insert kind of 
characterization of her. Yeah, a lot of authors are very, very interested in Wilbur as a character and Violet as like a plot backdrop. Yes. And as just like a girl next door. We're, we're in the movie, in the Incredibles movie, she's like really interesting. Well, not unique. But she is a pretty compelling character, I find. Yeah, and you she has can, her own... No, no author's taking advantage of that at all. Yeah, and and it's rare to come across a fic where Violet feels like her own three-dimensional character. And she does here, at least for the first, like, 15 chapters she does. And yeah. it's just, it's just, it, it hits me in the soul, you know? <laughs> like, like man, I really, I really wished... I really wished that, and even, and the thing that sucks too is that even once we get into the chapters later on, where younger Violet's still hanging around, A, she takes a backseat, and B, her characterization starts to suffer a little too, like I noticed. Yeah, like she's she just becomes kind a of more despondent fighting and against her she older, gives up. Younger really. Violet is fighting against her older self all the time, and younger Violet is like the smarter of the two. Which kind of plays against the idea that Violet, either the Violet kind of character growth. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, if, like, like, if your younger self is smarter than your older self, mm-hmm. like, what hope do you have? I don't right. know. Like, we're like, going backwards. Like, the only thing that was compelling, in my opinion, about younger Violet's character, and I don't really touch on it all that much, but it's her guilt at having gone back in time gone forward in time. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. And, like, the fact that, well, A, it didn't succeed, and B, she she's the reason why Cobra even got access to the time machine in the first place. So, mm-hmm. so that was really interesting, like, her having all this guilt over jeopardizing everyone she knows without even really realizing it. Or at least not thinking about it too hard. But they don't really investigate it super, super much, and... I mean, the only... And you know something I realized? Mm-hmm. Is that because Violet, quote-unquote, time travels because she was cryogenically frozen, the story doesn't actually need a time machine. And I think the author feels obligated to include a time machine, but the time machine ends up complicating things unnecessarily. Yeah. For the most part, because Oprah doesn't do anything with the time machine, as, and as we've talked about like extensively right now everything goes to shit after violet time travel the plot just kind of ruined and i don't think that you could have you couldn't have a successful story and still have a time machine but seeing as the author's struggling so hard with this you know maybe just eliminate the time machine like imagine right like Like, why not yeah or if you're that desperate to use it because it's an mtr fix so you have to just have yeah, which her... you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to. No, I, I, I mean, I, I did. Especially since to Lewis write... isn't even in this thing, you know, like it's yeah, it's all about Wilbur. So why not? Yeah, and like, yeah, like I don't know. It's just yeah, yeah. You oh, didn't okay. have to do that. So but yeah, anyway. yeah. Um. Yeah. So now, speaking of that, let's sure. let's let's talk a bit about Wilbur. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked much about him. Yeah. Uh, he... Oh, the second half of this pairing. Yeah, if he's, you can call he's it that. pretty important as a character in this fic. Um, I'm going to say I don't think 
even though we've heaped some praise on on Artificus for her characterization of Violet, at least early there. on. Hmm? There. Oh. Um. Wilbur, we can we cannot say the same for Wilbur. Wilbur's characterization was pretty. Uh, like I don't I don't really know if it was like very good. Um, yeah, it didn't. See, I think Wilbur is like the dumbest character in the whole he's thing. He's really oblivious. <laughs> it's kind of hard to pin how old he is. Like he's supposed to be like thirteen, like the same age he is in the movie, but like. He just doesn't really feel like a 13-year-old to me, necessarily. I don't understand why people think he's so stupid. Yeah, like... Like, I don't know where that comes from, because I know he's not the smartest in the movie, because the, the movie, uh, MTR, Mr. Robinson's emphasis emphasizes quite a lot how huge Lewis's brain is, <laughs> and quite a lot how much trouble Wilbur is in because of Carl and Franny yeah. and etc. So it's like all the adults in his life are disappointed in him. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. But like cause so, so in that context the, the movie doesn't give Wilbur as much of an opportunity to show off any of his strengths or skills but I think Wilbur has a lot of emotional intelligence Yeah, and like I don't know. I feel like he's he's a pretty capable person, and he's very determined. Yeah. And there's nowhere in there that says that he's stupid. He's just kind of a little bit weird and kind of, like, quirky. Like, he has just too much energy. Yeah. Like, I think, I guess the way I would describe Wilbur's, the, like, Wilbur's flaw in the movie is, I wouldn't, I mean, he... I wouldn't necessarily say say that he's, like, dumb so much as I would say that he just has really warped priorities, like, like, because the first thing he does when, when he realizes the garage door is open, and it's like, oh shit, the time machine just went away, his first thought is not, oh god, I gotta go tell my parents, uh, the time machine's gone, his first thought is, oh shit, I'll get in trouble if I let them know that the time machine's gone, so I have to take matters into my own hands and, and, and solve it that way. Yeah, and I don't think that's something against Wilbur's intelligence. It's just kind of part of the comedy of the movie. Because it's yeah. like, Wilbur's so blasé about ruining the time machine. He's like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it, it's it's like, it's just like, why, why, why is this, why is this like that? You know, like. Yeah, I think the only thing is that, like, it's quirky because this kind of stuff is almost normal to Wilbur because you, you you see his home life and it's like oh yeah nothing phases this kid. It yeah, makes sense. yeah, and, exactly. Like I don't know. It's just he's not stupid. He's just quirky and he kind of lives in a different world than the rest of us. Yeah. But I think emotionally he can be very perceptive. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see where the connection is with like the rest of the people who are like, let's just make him like dumber than a bag of bricks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I feel like people are think that way because um, I don't know. I guess it's I don't have no idea why people. 
people assume that... Well, my theory is that people don't know how to make comedy without making people look stupid. Right. And it is very hard. I've spoken to you quite a lot about my, my studies in the genre of comedy. Yes. Yeah. And I think... The, the earliest forms of comedy that people are introduced to are, like, Looney Tunes and Mr. Bean-style comedy. Yeah, like, slapstick, kind of short... Yeah, that kind of... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, physical humor, basically. Charlie Chapman and stuff. And then... Yeah. And then you, you, you get, like, intellectual comedy, which is, like, you, you can perceive the irony, but you're not actually laughing. It's, like, every New Yorker strip ever made. <laughs> And then there's like somewhere in between, and basically comedy is the idea of the, the it's always the protagonist's fault. It's like the protagonist has a disconnect between the world around them, and that's where the comedy lies. It's the the chaos of misunderstanding. But yeah. You you can create that misunderstanding without insulting the character. It's like a bit harder, definitely. Yeah. But you kind of owe that to your character. Yeah, and, like, you know, intelligence can happen in, like, multiple different ways, too, you know? Oh, definitely, you, you yeah. You can mind the fact that, like, you know, someone is can recite, can memorize chemical equations, but doesn't know what a shoe is. Well, I don't know if that would be a funny comedy situation, but, like, you know... I like, mean, it, it could be, like, you know, maybe... I think, yeah, because the source of comedy is that, uh, like, the classic comedy conflict is that the person is, like, unaware of their surroundings. And then I remember someone was saying, like, one of the greatest comedies of all is someone who's, like, so self-aware and so introspective that it becomes a comedy in and of itself because now they're obsessed with being introspective to the point where they're not aware yeah. Of their surroundings. And not to bring other cartoons that I always talk about TM into this, but I feel like Bojack Horseman kind of is a good example of that. Someone who's like really insecure and really smart and really, 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 but they don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it, it just makes more problems for them because their self awareness becomes kind of their character flaw in a sense. To the point where it's no longer self-awareness. Yeah. It's so exaggerated. And anyways, I feel like if you if you really tried hard, you could strike that balance. Mm. But they, it's just easier to be like, well, he's stupid. But that's it. That's the answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, because, well, so they... I'd say in, in broad strokes, um, younger Wilbur is characterized as a nerd, and yes. older Wilbur is characterized as a jock. And yeah, they are on different spectrums. They're on different. They're on polar. They are polar opposites of the high school clique spectrum. Yeah, and Violet is a little bit less like that, but it's kind of like that because Violet, their younger Violet is shy, and then older Violet is like a prep. Yes. So younger Violet isn't quite a goth. No. She's like a little bit below the origin point. If we're imagining the goth, prep, jock, nerd, um, 
quadrant diagram. <laughs> okay. Like, no, but you've seen that meme, right? Where it's a quadrant diagram with a axis and then yeah. the axis. Yes, and I along have the seen X, those memes. There's nerd and jock, and then along the Y is prep and jock. Prep and jock. Yes. Yeah. Which is, I think that's the most important alignment chart out there. It is a very good alignment chart. Like, I would say, at least to me, that, like, at least when I conceive of Wilbur as a character, I kind of try, I mean, I don't know if I'm successful at it in my own work. You know, we can Ooh, talk can't about wait to get to that one. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Um, but I at least hopefully try to conceive of Wilbur as kind of like a like kind of a mix of a nerd and a jock in the sense that he I think he has jock like tendencies or that he would like you know sports and like physical yeah. activity but I also see him into like super weird niche things sometimes yeah, pop I think culture some, but not always. some authors uh treat Wilbur as like a nerd in the traditional nerd sense that he's like math science yeah person and that's not at all the impression i get from wilbur in the movie no me so it's neither. just kind of weird mm -hmm. so i'm like i mean if you wrote it well it could be cool i guess but yeah. i feel like it kind of lacks imagination because you're like he's following his father's footsteps and it's like yeah does, does wilbur not want to follow in his mother's footsteps does he not want to follow in mm -hmm. his grandmother's footsteps because it's like wilbur doesn't have the traditional family architecture Mm -hmm. Right, like his, like yeah. Neil is the patriarch, but he's the patriarch among so many other authorities in Wilbur's life. Yeah, right. So he's not, he doesn't have that same influence because mm -hmm. Wilbur's around so many different people. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I I don't really feel like the nerd or the jock stereotype really fit Wilbur comfortably in either way. I think mm -hmm. there are elements of either stereotype that could work for Wilbur depending on how you characterized him and I could see him maybe leaning toward characterizing I could buy as someone who characterizes him leaning towards one of those two maybe I would characterize but... him as like a charming weirdo you yeah know? yeah but I think he's sort of beyond those two stereotypes or those two yeah, character he, molds he has achieved nirvana there's a <laughs> there's a z-axis there's an invisible z-axis yeah the, the invisible yeah. one is um, weirdo to normie, I think. I think that's... Yeah, it's like a 3D, 3D, three-dimensional yeah. axis. Mm -hmm. This is a yeah, Z. Yeah, we, we could draw it for you if you have trouble picturing this. <laughs> <laughs> Math like... class with, uh, Alyssa and Irene. Yep. All those, that, um, that stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't think that those two... Um, the way that this fake characterizes Wilbur is, is, is good. And even if, like, Yeah, because we... in this fake, Wilbur's main motivation Wilbur has only one friend named Pete Shingleton. Oh, yeah. What a, what a, what a name for a friend, right? Oh, Pete. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's like a name straight out of an ad from the 1950s. Anyway. I know. So Wilbur doesn't have any friends. He doesn't even do anything interesting at home. He's just watching TV, which is 
I mean, that's what I did, but that's not what I imagine Wilbur does. Mm -hmm. And it's very uninteresting. And it's just kind of like pulled from the video game, but in the most boring way possible. Cause yeah. Wilbur's, the, mo the, the biggest thing at stake is Wilbur's TV marathon. Even at the end of the pick, he's like, oh no, I don't get my show. And then her, his parents are like, yeah, you don't. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were joking. And they're like, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just really awkward. Yeah. It's just like, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, in general, it's just. We started with something that was kind of bad, and then we got Jock Wilbur, who's. I mean, I don't know. I think it's less of a contrast. They're both bad. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just, like, real, real unfortunate, and, and a little, um... And, you know, it, it really hurts the story, because, again, this is supposed to be a romance between Wilbur and Violet, mm. so... Yeah. Why, why do they even like each other? Why should the audience like them? Like, so boring. It's, So little yeah. time. Mm hmm It's just very it's just very unfortunate and and very like kinda eye rolly. <laughs> um so yeah, totally yeah. To totally totally under totally um No, I'm totally with with you on that is what I meant meant to say. Um Cool. Yeah, I'm glad uh the fandom's local Wilbur expert is is with me on that. <laughs> Oh, well, I appreciate uh, the moniker. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Wilbur yeah. needs fixes is our point for this fic. Um, yeah, Wilbur's like everybody's favorite character, so I don't get... Yeah, you would like, think people would be, why would be able to like, pin down, down his character real well, but... Smarter, yeah. Nope. Honestly, or make him I think more I... interesting, or... No. Yeah, anyway, I this one like... is really bad. I feel like the character that gets that's the most accurate in terms of like consistently the pe the pe the character that has the most consistent characterization is probably Lewis. Slash mm, Neil. No, I would say it's Carl. Carl? You know what? Yeah, no, that 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 checks out. It's very hard to get Carl's character wrong. That's true. Uh, I find just... no one gets Cornelius's character right. Lewis is a lot easier because he's in the movie, so they can reference the movie quite a lot more. Yeah, I think people get like they they kind of overthink Cornelius because I'm just like it's just adult Lewis guys. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, you know, it. it's not it's not that hard. But anyway, um, I'm looking at my notes. Other thing to bring up. Um, I think we talked about the rom- did we talk about the romance? We talked about the fact that older woman or Violet's chemistry is non-existent. We could talk more about the romance, but um, we have covered some romance. Yeah. It's very argumentative. Older Wilbur and Wilbur Violet constantly bicker. And they both have crushes on each other, which you would think would eventually, like, give them the motivation to, like, try and work it out. But, yeah. nope. And the problem yeah, is the that, altar... like, yeah. the problem is that, like, 
like, okay, we, so, like, the big thing that they're trying to lean into is the enemies to lovers trope, which is a very common romantic comedy trajectory, and, mm-hmm. um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty obvious why that is. It's a very simple, easy... Um, yeah, you get automatic drama out of that. Like Yeah, yeah. Like there's an immediate conflict baked into the enemies to lovers tropes because they start out not liking each other. But the problem with with um enemies to lovers is that at least for for what I've said is that it can be kind of hard to pull off correctly. Um if you give the characters cuz it's like a balancing act, right? Cuz if you make the Mm-hmm. If you make the end, if you make the the thing that they hate each other over too superficial, then like it doesn't make sense why they hate each other. But then if you make it, if you if you make their anger at each other too like motivated, then it kind of makes you question why they would even have a good relationship to begin with. So typically, yeah, most I mean, most the enemies... point of enemies to lovers, I think, I think mm-hmm. was because people were kind of bored of like the Romeo and Juliet style romance where people were instantly in love. Right. They're yeah. like, oh, what if we added some kind of tension? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that the point was for their meet cue to be interesting and was for their relationship to be kind of richer due to the fact that they're like opposites. Yeah. Opposites attract. Yeah. But like the idea fundamentally that they're opposites in superficial ways but ultimately, yeah. they have the same values yeah. enough that they actually love each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, like, a good enemies-to-lovers story, and I've said this before, is that the best way to have it happen is, in your traditional three-act structure, you have them stop being enemies by Act 1. By end of Act yeah. 1, I mean. End of Act 1 turning point is that they stop being love, they stop being enemies, and their relationship takes a new form. That can be either mm-hmm. they become like a couple, like they they become and they fall in love, or you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be something else. But either way, they are no longer enemies. Most commonly, they're enemies, but now they're friends. They're not like, but they're not like lovers yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and this fic doesn't do that. They stay hating each other all the way to like the literal last moment, and that is like no. That's, like, yeah. not compelling. It drags on the, the tension for too long. And it's so disappointing to me because I think people people see, like, characters getting together as, like, the end point of relationship drama, right? As soon as they get together, Oh, don't we know that? Story. Don't we know? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Sorry. You're, you're good. Gotta stop. But, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Yes. To know what, what the hell we're talking about now. But yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I would say one of the biggest appeals of Enemies to Lovers is because we're transferring the best friend dynamic that became popular is the like the char- the unlikely friend's character foil, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, you're, you're friends with the enemy and... Mm-hmm. You, like, argue for, like, the entire movie, like, oh, actually, I can't live without you. Like, yeah. you want the, you want the banter, you want, like, all the, all the tension, but then you also want them to, like, you know, to, uh, 
I can't remember where I was going with this, but you know what I mean? Like, you want the, yeah. the tension of the foil, yeah. and you want them to learn from each other at the end of the story. That's the idea of enemies to lovers. Yeah. Yeah, and like... There we go, I found my point. I'm proud of you. Um. Thank you. I'm proud of myself, too. Yeah. Didn't think I'd make it. Yay for pride. Um, so, yeah, I... I feel like... Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's, you know, one of the things that... Because, like, the, the problem, too, that I get so fed up with, too, is, like, again, this idea that, like... Like, obviously having a romance where the end point is they get together is not necessarily a bad thing. But I feel like people are so... Especially in this narrative, I feel like the author is like, well, if I get them get them have them get together, like, early, then... I can't do yeah. anything with them. And it's like, not necessarily. If your characters get together midway through your story, then you can have, you can still have escalation, you know? Like, you can still have... Yeah, you actually have there. way more to talk about because yeah. there are so many problems that result in after you get together in a relationship. Because a relationship is like a, a never-ending, honestly. Yeah, like, there's... There's so many things that happen when you when you when a relationship goes to a different state, you know, like mm -hmm. like the thing like if you learn something new about someone or if you're living together or even if you're not living together and you're just negotiating a new relationship that can be interesting and like even if even if Violet and Wilbur in this fic even if they started out the enemies but then like let's say they became officially lovers at the midpoint or at some point midway through the story then you could still have tension in you know violet and wilbur are very different people still you know wilbur yeah is... they're not gonna automatically become boring yeah after they get together i like... mean their their backgrounds have inter already interesting conflicts played in violet is a superhero for instance like that yeah, could on. add some interesting layers to a relationship. What would it be like to date someone who, like, basically does spy shit all the time, probably has a back on their on them, a target on their back, because, you know, mm -hmm. supervillains super are after them. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then you have the inevitable, we can't be together because they're going to come after you to get to me. Oh, yeah, that old story. <laughs> Uh, um, don't you or, hate on that happen? Don't you hate that stage of a relationship? Yeah, Zach? yeah. <laughs> it's it's a rough point. Um, or like, you know, the fact that Wilbur, like, how, like how does Violet relate to Wilbur's family? The fact that he's the son of a very, like, the most popular, well-known inventor of this of the era. You know, how does that affect their relationship? Is it is it is it something that Violet is bothered by? Because like, if you think about it, Wilbur's probably got more paparazzi and eyes on him as the son of a public figure, and since Violet right. wants to stay anonymous, like, does that cause any conflict for them? Does like Violet get like a sh like does someone snap a p pic of them on social media and get spread all over the place? And Violet's like, oh shit. Like, I don't want mm -hmm. any more eyes on me than I need. And then Wilbur's like, well, this is what... I, I can't really stop people from taking weird photos of me. And then she's like, 
You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a conflict. And, hey, we didn't have to have the characters fighting and hating each other. It's it's an external conflict that still relates to that. You know? Yeah, cause, and also cause it doesn't being have to in be... love with someone mm. is not a motivation that can sustain itself for the entire story. And you can't just keep putting it off no. because you like the tension and you like the... the the, the theatrical irony like at some point it just gets really repetitive and boring yeah. like okay get married already yeah like just there are ways there, there are ways mm-hmm. that the story could have made Wilbur and Violet's relationship if they got together interesting and like made yeah, it and their personalities are so different that could be yeah, they could like, conflict over each other and they could learn from each other you know and both at the same and it could time. be and we can have still have internal conflicts and not necessarily external for instance violet as we've already established in this fic has a very strong sense of justice and meanwhile in this fic wilbur i mean he does have a sense of justice but it's a very he kiddie... doesn't have the same re- sense of responsibility as violet yeah, Doesn't so, like, that could a be a, a tension point, you know? Like, maybe Violet wants Wilbur to be more more active in his life, and Wilbur's, like, more willing to coast by and just kind of let other people take care of th- problems, you know? That kind of thing. So, you can bring, yeah. you can have your characters be in a relationship that's loving, but still have tension and have conflict, you know what I mean? Um, right there's there's a lot of things you can do with it and it's just upsetting that so many excuse me Ooh, so many um type. thank you so many people kind of see they don't really see all the possibilities of a romantic relationship and the kinds of conflicts you can create from that um yeah and it's just like so. i mean it, it makes sense because a lot of these authors are young and mm. one meg ryan but there are so many different kinds of love stories out there. There's just so many of them. There's, yeah. there's, it's it's infinite. You could talk. You could take any different angle on this. Yeah. And, and you could get really really creative, but they don't really think outside of the blockbuster box. Yeah. And I mean, some of that might also have to do with like. You know, again, like you said, these authors are teenagers. A lot of them, so some of them probably have a lot of them probably haven't had like serious, actual romantic relationships. So mm-hmm. that can kind of limit you. Oh a yeah, bit. You, real life exists too. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, because like, like I, I mean, I haven't dated that many people over my life, but I've dated enough people, and I've also witnessed enough people who've been in a lot of relationships or have been in different relationships mm-hmm. to know that like. The ways in which people relate to each other is different. Oh, yeah, you you don't know no, no two relationships are ever the same. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like you know, every relationship is unique, and yeah. that sometimes you could uh, you could just like mine the real world for yeah. your inspiration. Yeah, Although exactly. don't do that too much because I knew someone who did that. Me. Mm. They just kept getting in trouble, and they're like, this could make a good movie, and I'm like, stop. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's also, as I'm sure at some point, we will try to whip up a writing advice episode for you. But just to, as a quick little side advice, and I think I've said this before in some episodes, but just to recap or repeat, um, you shouldn't be, you sh- drawing from experiences, 
from your own personal experience is always a good thing, but also don't be afraid to jump in and write about experiences that are not your own. Um, yeah, variety is your friend, people. Yeah, variety. And, you know, the world is always going to be populated by people who don't share your experiences, and, you know, if you're going to make any story, it's impossible to make all of your characters unique and interesting and different if you're just drawing from your own experience. Yeah, well, my you philosophy know. is to never have one source of inspiration. you you got to have multitudes, well, maybe not so many, but you got to have a bunch. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got you got to work on your story specifically. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it accurate to this inspiration? Does it make sense with this? Does it make, well, the most important thing is does it make sense, like, in of itself, you know? Does mm -hmm. it work? Is it interesting yeah 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 okay i think we've said all we wanted to say about um romantic relationships oh the last thing i will say is that um i really wish um this fic had had violet and her ex have more chemistry than violet and her love yeah interest. her ex and explicitly just kind of rides off into the sunset with one of the clones yes and I'm just like, good for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, it one was... of the clones suddenly understands what love is, and he's like, I'm going to teach it to you. Like, what's her face did with Tarzan? Oh, my God. Amazing. Like, Jane and Tarzan. That's... Uh... Yeah. And then, okay, so the last two things that I have on here. One is that there's lots of plot cul-de-sacs. And while oh, the yeah. major plot arcs get resolved for the most part, there are lots of dead-end chapters that could have been cut because they really don't do anything. Um, you know, there's so many, like, random fight scenes and so many random discussions and so many random stuff that happens that just kind of feel... It kind of feels like it's just artificially extending the length of the story. And if you had excised it, it mm -hmm. nothing would have changed. So, um... Yeah. So that is yeah. a big problem. And I think that's, I mean, to some degree, it is a little bit of a problem with some serialized fiction. Sometimes serialized fiction, I think, well, that, that's not true. Definitely. You can, have, you can have, like, you know, serial, uh, like, like a, a fully published novel that has, like, filler in it. But I think... I think I think it's just, beca just becoming more and more of a trend because they, um, the publishing industry and the movie industry noticed, oh... Harry Potter did so well. We we gotta milk this cow even more. So they split the seventh movie into two movies so that they could make more money. Yeah. And then they did. I think I, I can't remember who came first, but they also did the same thing with Twilight. And then they also did the same thing with The Hunger Games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now the trend is like serial, serial. Well, I think I think now we're like sick of it. But the trend before it was make it as long and complicated and epic as possible. We're going to make so much money. Yes. And that's kind of what Artificus was going for, even though Artificus is not making any money off of this. But yeah. the trend at the time was super complicated, uh, multi-POV, crazy world epic. Yeah. And they wanted, they wanted something so epic, but they didn't quite know how to fill all that. They, all they wanted was for it to be big, and they're like, I don't yeah. And that's never going to pan out. You got to actually, like, if you're going to do something this complicated, you got to plan it all out. You can't just yeah play it yeah. by ear, or else you're going to 
you're going to get this where it's like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It starts getting really bad and repetitive. Confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, like, that's kind of the pitfall of, like, serialized fiction like this. I mean, like, I think that, you know, well, this fic clearly did not have that much planning involved. Like, I think the most planning was probably just, like, the general, like, I feel like Artificus knew that the story was going to end with, like, Cobra getting captured and Violet and Wilbur ending together up, up, up together. Yeah, they had and... some, like, they, they had some plot points in mind. Yeah. But I think if they, if they had sat down and planned it, it would have been so much better. Oh, yeah. I think so. I think some, some <sighs> structure. Damn. Some skeletons would have been a good thing. Skeleton, of course, I'm meaning by, like, the skeleton of the story. The bones of the narrative, yeah. that were. Um, yes. The spooky bones. Because mm, this Happy is a Halloween, Halloween episode. Everybody. Ooh, no, it's not. Yay! Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I think that, like, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, there's, I mean, there's, you know, yeah, I mm-hmm. do think this story could have benefited a lot more with, like, some more planning and some more structure to drafts or whatever was going on behind the scenes. It definitely would have led to a more cohesive story. Um, and it's totally understandable if you don't want to work that way. Because mm-hmm. okay? it's fan fiction. You can do whatever you want. So you oh, don't yeah. have to plan. But this author clearly wanted to make the kind of story where you have to plan it. Yeah. So if they didn't want to do all this extra work, they could have made a simpler story with a simpler premise. You have made like a one shot series where you can publish as you go and you're fine, but like, yeah, that doesn't work here. You, you actually have to plan, otherwise, it's yeah, a there disaster. Are, there are stories where you can get more away, get less, get get away with more, with less planning and more of a like, are you okay, buddy? Low me, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm a little tired, but I'm trying. Oh, Am I, okay. Do I sound weird? Uh, I don't know. You're occasionally it's it's like you're kind of struggling but i don't want to i don't want to mean that in a, you yeah know? Okay. i can kind of feel like my sometimes i feel like my brain just kind of skips like like it's a cd and like it skips oh no a little bit and i'm like wait a minute what um you i do have gotta, a lot of you just to gotta hit the disc man a little bit i do you know maybe turn it off and then turn it back on yeah yeah but my point is is that like when you have we have a story that has like a very complex plot, it's pretty hard to like kind of wing it. Um, you yeah, you just can't with a story that's at this scale. Yeah, that's that's just such a bad idea. It really but is. But they, they they're doing it anyway. They did it with turns and other crazy kids. Yep. Okay, so then the last thing. Um, is just to say that, like, well, okay, so I'll say that the one good thing, or one of the one little thing that I thought was really good was, especially in the beginning, it, mm-hmm. again, it drops off after chapter, after the time travel, but, like... Like, pretty much exactly at chapter 16, just, it's just that. Yep. Um, but the set, I thought that the, some of the setting details were really great in the early chapters, and I think... Um, yeah, the early world building was cute yeah and i would say that like one of the big things that i remembered from this fic were the setting details like that's that's one of the things that stuck out in my brain when it came to um reading this fic and Mm -hmm. you know thinking about it and reflecting on it so 
when I reread it for this for this podcast, I was really it was really really fun Sorry. to 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 see those setting details again and be like, oh my god, like it's just how I remembered it. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, the writing was a lot worse than I remember. Floating it, like, phrase, and then there are AIs with a quirky, sassy personality. Like, yeah. And there's also this is my favorite. You got to train to go to the moon. When you turn 18? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, like you can or something? It's yeah, so cute. And, and it's so upsetting that they're that the details that those details go away as soon as we travel into the future and then it's just all this other Yeah, it's just robot after sense, robot after and it's robot. Just really bland and like ugh, clone, so. clone, clone, yeah. robot, robot. That I think is the last <sighs> overarching thing I wanted to talk about. About. I'm gonna say that any specific details, if you want to know about those, um, please refer to our other four parts that we did. Yeah, I would say go... in general is that when you're writing a fanfic, even if it's an AU, you gotta think about the original text and what yes. made the original text good, yes. and then also avoid what made it bad. But like, think really about what made it good. Mm-hmm. And try to incorporate that into your story. You don't have to be loyal to yourself and canon. Yeah. But, you know, and usually the answer to that is the world building and or the characters. Mm-hmm. And the story dropped both of those in the yeah. two-thirds of the story. The second two-thirds. Because yeah. yeah. we got the parts and we got Violet and we got some world building and the futurism. And that was really... Uh-huh. You know, we retained some of the, um, what Linda Aronson would call the heat of the original story. Like, what, <laughs> you know, the real diamond in the rough, or the normal diamond, because it's like a million dollar movie. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, like the, like the, the, the core of the, of the, what makes the, 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 yeah, the, the whole premise, what we really like about the movie in the first place, and why a person would, like, Turn yeah. off their TV and then turn on their computer and yeah. go check out fan fiction immediately after watching the movie. Do you ever yeah, do that? Yeah, like, <laughs> like I think I think when you're writing something like this, you have to lean into those elements to some degree. And if you find yourself writing this story mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Wow, everything's out of character," and like the setting's super different, you can be like, "That's." Then just write an original property, you know, like write your own thing. Um, cause yeah. if, yeah, cause like I, I do get the feeling that like the ideas that Artificus had were not, were incongruous with the, um, the universe she was setting those ideas in. And yeah, they were kind of. They just lost the thread a little bit, like yeah, because we we just left all the characters behind, mm-hmm. and I do find that in crossovers, people care a lot about the Incredibles world building, mm-hmm. and they care about Wilbur. That's that's the extent of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I feel like when maybe it comes they care to... about the time machine also, but yeah, when it comes to the at least these types of crossovers between specifically the Incredibles and MGR, I would yeah. say that like. I'd say you're right that like most people think that the world of the Incredibles is more interesting than the world of the MTR, and that yeah, and that's it's kind of an insult to Violet's character as well as 
the MTR's universe, which is silly, but like you could paint it in a slightly different angle and it could be really cool. And The Incredibles and MTR, I think one big reason why they're they're um, crossed over together quite often is that they're both sci-fis. Yeah, yeah. They both have a futuristic, retro-futuristic element to them, which is nice. I mean, for The Incredibles, it's not retro-futuristic. It's just no. the future. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, like, there's, I think there's, we haven't really talked, actually, this whole time. I don't know if you yeah. want to talk about it right now, but this whole oh, time we really oh. haven't talked too much about Willette and the Incredibles MTR crossover situation in a general sense. I don't know if right. we want to talk about that here, if we want to save that for like another episode. I think we talked about it we talk about a it, little like, bit, but what, what do you have to say about it, Alyssa? Well, I would say that I do think that I can see why this kind of crossover is so appealing to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you said, they have, there's a lot of, there's the retrofuturism that's, where the, the aesthetics of the movie are similar enough that people can kind of, it, it, you can make the argument that they, or it's not, it doesn't take as much work to put them in the same universe. Yeah, Since you can picture Disney, them in the same room quite easily, actually, which is yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. It's not like Who Killed Roger Rabbit, where, like, a cartoon is next to a human detective and it's like what's happening yeah okay. yeah there's not there's like, not a lot of dissonance in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and like most of the in most of the most of the inconsistencies that exist between the universes i think is fairly easy to smooth over um mm-hmm. and doesn't take a lot of legwork to just kind of make into its own thing mm-hmm. um you know and i also think i think well i don't personally hesitate to use the word ship but (laughs) well i don't personally like find willette to be like a super compelling pairing that i would seek out fiction for myself i also again see why it's pretty popular like it has that sort of opposites attract kind of appeal to it right because violet's very shy she's Mm -hmm. subdued um, she's a bit more serious-minded, uh, mm-hmm. whereas Wilbur is more confident, has more charisma. He's, um, you know, more willing to be a goofball and be a prankster. So, trying to... Yeah, Violet has a very severe outlook on life, because she's lived her whole life on this whole, like, live-or-die good versus evil kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. Whereas Wilbur, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He comes from a family of quirky millionaires. They can, like, do whatever they want. They're just, they they don't even obey the laws of physics, you know, let alone normal laws. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. their outlook on life is so completely opposite that it would be really cool to watch them foil against each other. Yeah, and like, yeah, and I think there's a lot of potential there, but I guess my disillusionment with Willa is just that I don't think a lot of people really take that and run with it. I don't think, I haven't really seen many people who like really take advantage of how different they are and sort of try and negotiate how that relationship would work. 
Um, I know a lot of people focus in on the fact that Violet's a superhero, and again, I, I can see why that's, like, a big thing, because it's a big part of her character. But I also don't feel like people, like, I feel like, I feel like, controversial opinion, but I feel like if you were to remove Violet's superheroism from the equation, I still think mm. you could have an interesting dynamic between the two of them. Um, right, but if you that. take your average Willette chick and you remove Violet's superpowers, it becomes immediately boring because <laughs> yeah. the authors never really work on personality no. and her flaws and her strengths and her quirks, yeah. and they never really they never really focus on why Wilbur's such an interesting character. Like, why is Wil why is Wilbur with rather than other people and why is violet with wilbur rather than other people why yeah, like, they choose each other specifically like that's a really important aspect in a romance yeah. and yeah. they never really we're never gonna go there it's like okay no and i would say that this fic definitely especially falls into that into that um into that hole into yeah that they, they really take it for granted that violet and wilbur are like meant for each other almost because they put zero yeah. effort into really <laughs> talking yeah, about like, that they're like well duh they're together and i'm like but and why it's, it and it's like, duh. like i i feel like i've definitely fallen into that pitfall before where it's like i as the writer know that these characters will end up together so it can be mm -hmm. easy to just kind of assume that oh it'll make sense when they do and not really think about like okay how would these yeah, people get together what sort of struggles would they have etc etc so yeah, it is. It is. It can be hard to, to figure that out, but I yeah, it's think all that about taking the time to figure that out is really what will make your yeah. story better in the long run when it comes to romance. Yeah, and when when um, I mean, we are gonna work harder on our own little our special fan fiction workshop episode. Yes, but um, <laughs> in a nutshell, the reason why people are together is it's all well. There's one whole category where it's all about circumstance yeah you know you're you end up with the people who you spend the most time around because you end up getting to know them like yeah. you i think i've mentioned this before but you wouldn't fall madly in love with a random i don't know like a random uh dollar tree cashier <laughs> right no or you know you know the likelihood of being in a relationship with a supply guy <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter was like, oh, my, uh, like, I, anyway, this person was just floored that their girlfriend's roommate started dating some reply guy from Twitter. Oh and then God. another person was like, how did this happen? And then the original poster, I'm not telling you anything. Oh my God, that is very weird. Yeah. But anyways, it's funny because it's so unlikely. Like, oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. not going to happen. And so, yeah, circumstance is a huge Thing, and you can totally take advantage of that to create like some fantastical circumstances they just have to be fantastical and believable you yeah know? but that could be really fun and then the other thing is that deep down they have to have shared values and this could be again a cool source of conflict because maybe they like each other for other reasons but ultimately they have different like yeah and that's cool and they don't have to have the same background they don't have to have the same personality like everything else can be different yeah that's the real core of everything yeah you know? and even though even though i think we've talked a lot about our fatigue with enemies to lovers 
uh, and, you know, the, to some degree, opposites attract stories, but I do think that, you know, um, even if people aren't necessarily total opposites or foes of each other, I still think, like, it's cool to write stories about people who are from di totally different backgrounds and have totally different outlooks on life and still yeah, have them there's, together. Um, there's a reason why Enemies to Lovers is so popular, mm -hmm. but I'm so jaded and cynical about how everybody's always attracted to the exact same formula and it becomes tired yeah. and predictable. But yeah. you can make Enemies to Lovers refreshing and new. Yeah. And they can still be enemies to lovers. It could be really cool. In the eternal world. You, know, of... you, you could, instead of having a nerd and a jock, you could have a prep and a god. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, cool. Is there any I'm other big biscuits? Yeah, I think we really covered yeah. all the stuff. Like, I think so. Team too. Future, like the first half is like a nice human story and kind of weird and interesting. And then the second half is like a nonsensical Michael Bay movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a... It's a, um, it's like Icarus, you know, like the first couple, <laughs> couple moments, it's like, wow, and then the wax melts, and then it's just a nosedive into the ocean where, where the fic dies. Ooh, that's an epic description. Yeah, I think Artificus really did fly a little too close to the sun. Mm -hmm. They should have, they should have been more down to, down to earth when they wrote this. Um, I agree. Now, because... Because we did talk a lot about how this story was written by a German-speaking person, and it was originally published in German until the yes. author was like, hey, I'm getting no views in English, and then they got all the views. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so we talked a lot about the language barrier mm -hmm. that this fic presents. And yeah. to fix that, to like really give the author the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. We asked two German people to read it for us. And yeah. We, we made, we made, guys, we made two extra people suffer for this podcast episode. Like, this episode is so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and just, like, shout outs to both of our German friends. Like, you guys yeah. are, are absolutely awesome. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Shen, Freunde. Freunde. Yeah. So, yeah, we both, well, I, I know Lucy. Yeah, um, yeah. So some yeah, of you may two... know Lucy because the community is so small, but Lucy is a part of the Robinson fandom. Yes, she is. I don't know if she has a Tumblr or any other... I think she does. I can't remember what it is, though. Yeah. She so... has, like, a cat icon. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah, so so Lucy is the German friend who we have, who we mutually know, um, mm -hmm. who uh, knows about MTR and... Uh, was the first yeah. person we uh, solicited for some German perspective. Yeah, we, we just imposed Team Future <laughs> under her, and she was like, I'm going to read the entire German thing, and I'm going to read all of the English chapters that are equivalent to the German thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, okay, dedication. Yeah, yeah. And then um, <laughs> uh, we also, or I also, decided to yeah. solicit my friend. I, Irene doesn't know him. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I play D and D, and one of the people. That I mean, I, I know him psychically because I know all, <laughs> but I don't know him. Know him. Yeah, I also don't know him like super well. In a general, he sounds like either. such a such an interesting character. He is. I, I'll probably honestly, I might link this episode once it comes out to him. Be like, hey, by the way, in case you wanted oh. to listen to, hey, uh, what you met, what you were part of. But either way. Um, he, yeah, so he, he's one of my fellow D&D players, and he mm-hmm. happens to, to be from Germany. He plays with mm-hmm. us at 1 a.m. his time. It's like, I have no idea how he survives, Dedication. but he's just, yeah, he's just dedicated. And, um, I was like, hey. I think he has a lot of time on his hands. He's getting those stimulus checks. He's just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He And Germany, Germany recently had that, like rent cancellation but then they overturned it i don't know what's going on yeah I'm that not would be sure cool either. i i haven't asked that would be him cool about if that, that situation but i'm hoping for the best for him but um yeah, yeah so he he offered to read it uh he read the german one and then because he's a madman he read the yeah, whole all in, 51 chapters of the original of oh the my English god version, which like he did i stressed to him i was like you and do he not sounds have to like do a this. really yeah, he sounds like a really fast reader because he was able he to read that in like lightning fast. He a couple read it days like within two days. Yeah, something like oh that. Oh my god, crazy! I was like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> like I don't it know took me forever read to read this. Just because it's so bad. He reads a lot. He reads. He reads. Um, I think he reads a lot of um, what are they called? Yeah, what does he read? To I compare. forget the term, but they're they're books that are serial fiction books. That are posted online, not fan fiction, and they tend to be like thousands of chapters long. Apparently, he sent me a list, mm. links a couple of them. They look, they look. But very... it's like independent fiction. Yeah, like that kind of right? stuff. Lots yeah. of, um, uh, I think mo- most of them um, are translated from Japanese or uh, other. Oh, interesting. Um, like that part of the world languages. I don't know if it's just Japanese or if there's also like Korean slash Chinese. Yeah, so slash... we have the input of D and D friends down. Yes. And he is not related to this fandom. In fact I don't Sorry, even Sorry, I'm definitely he's... using that epithet wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um he yeah. he um has not watched either Meet the Robinsons or The Incredibles. So he was going into this Pretty yeah, we have fine. a completely neutral point of yeah, view on Yeah, so this, he brought in a pretty neutral perspective, which is really interesting, and I was, you know, made sure I was available to, like, explain some stuff to him. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's not even that, like, into or familiar with Western comics as general. Like, he doesn't really mm-hmm. read a lot of superhero-related things just in, in the wide yeah. side of things. He seems I more... don't think... Uh, well, I mean, it does, but I don't think this book relies too heavily on superhero tropes. I mean, it does because of the robot. Actually, no, it does, but it's not, it's not something you won't be able to understand. Yeah, it's, it's nothing super esoteric to the point where it's like someone who's unfamiliar with the genre so would be unable to understand what's going on, so... And yeah, it's all been incorporated not... into like mainstream pretty easily. So you could like subconsciously. Yeah. So he um and, and he and he goes by as Azrael, as Azrael. I okay. I never know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> it's spelled A Z A 
R A I L. So Azrael. Wait, wait. Spell it again. A A A Z R A I L is his handle. Azrael. Azrael. I don't know. I've never seen that name before, but I think it's like... It's like as, A-Z, and then rail, as in like a a railing rail. Oh, okay, so there's no E. Uh, Like a railing. I mean, it looks like it could almost be like a Persian name, but I think it's like probably made up. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) I've never asked I mean, you know... Anything cool. about it, good, but... Good for him. Yeah. Good for Azrael. <laughs> well, anyway. So, he... Yeah, he read... Um... Yeah, so I... So I got his comments. But anyway, that's just the backstory, background on the two people that we... That we enlisted. So, um... But we were able to get some... Some insight onto the German side of things. So, I don't know if... If you wanted to go first yeah. and relay what... Lucy yeah, we both you. asked them more or less the same questions, mm-hmm. and in general, I would say Lucy was very, very generous with fix. Uh, she says that most German fix are in a really bad writing style. She says, so bad, I cannot read most of them, in parentheses, not trying to shame them, but most times they hurt my eyes, bad face. <laughs> So I think I think it's, I think her expectations are really coloring this fic because she's like in comparison, this one is well written. You can read it through fluently without stumbling over sentences. Mm-hmm. And she also says she likes how descriptive it is mm-hmm. that you can imagine the scenery. And this was a I think this was a criticism I had because they don't really grab the setting a lot. No, there there are some moments where it happens, but again, it's before yeah, the time early... travel. <laughs> There's some early world building, and then suddenly there's kind of, there's no background, they're in a void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas Azrael, uh, what did he say? So, uh, he said, so, as, so I will say as a caveat, um, I don't think, and I, 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 so Azrael didn't really have a lot to say about the actual, like, writing style itself. The most he said mm-hmm. about it was that um, he described it as uh, it's written in an easy form of German and everybody can understand what's going on. So that's a good point. I think that's something they agree on. It seems that it's very simple and clear, but it's not necessarily very sophisticated. Yeah. And then, um, but he did point out, oh, I forgot to ask him with his German purpose, but um he said, uh, too, that he did find some writing errors in it. And then he said, bad mm-hmm. beta reader, you have to pay attention to something like that. And then he also, I guess I don't he... think Artificus had a beta reader for the German version. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Because mm. I, I know that for the English version, they didn't even have a, a couple chapters in. I think they got a beta reader because it started to get popular. Yeah. And no one read the German version. Yeah, no one so did. So just judging by that timeline, the impression I get is that the beta reader came much later. Mm. Yeah, and then he also said that, like, she made this, like, repeat repeating grammar error, which he called, mm. I'm going to butcher this, Wiederholung, uh, which apparently is, yeah. like, he describes as, like, you always use the same words. It's not something German grammar likes. So I'm assuming it's just very repetitive language. 
So cool. that's a thing to, to keep. Yeah, the so, Germans, they they want you to use things uh, economically. <laughs> yeah, and I believe he also said that like, um, he he felt that um. The writing was a lot better. Um, like the qual- writing quality was a lot better in German than it was in English. So yeah, uh, Lucy says it's been translated word for word in English, mm. which it would explain a lot of the awkwardness in the writing. So yeah, except for some idioms, which I will mention later because they're interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see what else did he say? Uh, he did mention some things about the plot. Um, mm-hmm. he didn't like how the German version ended so suddenly, and I, I explained to him it was like it was because no one was reading it, so then she just wrote the rest of it in, in English. Um, yeah. he plot wise, he said he didn't really like how many robots there were. He thought a lot of the robot fights were very superfluous. Um, yeah, which we can attest to. He did like that the um, you know, that all the what what did he say? He like he liked that the plot did end up at like concluding. You know, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah, it was a, a basically it was a cliffhanger. Also, yeah. he didn't seem to mind the argumentative relationship that older Wolverine and older Violet had with too much. Which I was like, you have a stronger stomach than me, then man, because that drove me nuts. And I I feel like maybe part of the reason why he felt that way was also because. He doesn't really have a reference to what these characters would normally act like because he's never seen the original source material. Right. So. But I think even if you didn't see the original characters, you would get kind of annoyed at their behavior. Yeah, me too. I, I thought you would I was get like... maybe less annoyed because you have nothing to compare it to. But it's like by itself, it's really not fun to read. Yeah, he he's just he just seems to. He was like, you know, they're not at a level where it's annoying, at least not yet. So I was like, all right. Yeah, and our our friends are very patient, aren't they? They really are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Lucy so then... says that the the very first thing she noticed is that quote sometimes the family banter seems a little bit unnatural. And then she also mm-hmm. says that maybe that's because I'm not used to German natural banter between children and parents. So, but anyways. I'm just going to trust that the family banter is weird in both English and German. Yeah. I mean, also, reminder that Lucy only read the first six chapters of both the English and German versions, but she hasn't read all the way to the end. Mm, which makes that's sense. That's a point. Because why, why yeah. would you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm mystified still to this day that um, Azrael was willing to... You know, yeah, not thing. all heroes wear capes, man. <laughs> you know... Yeah, honestly. Um, but, yeah, and then the only other thing, oh, but yeah, he yeah. he didn't really have, like, again, most that was most of the comments that I thought were most important that he mentioned was just that, you know, he liked yeah, it fine enough. Yeah, and to contrast this, uh, Lucy also mentions that she likes Wilbur's characterization and she likes that you can... She says, I really like that you can see that the story is from Wilbur's POV, which in the very beginning it's not, but I think she's talking about later chapters. Mm. And she says that the vocabulary he uses is typical of a 13-year-old. And mm. I'm kind of confused just reading the English version. Right. But like, I don't know. I don't know about that. 
but yeah. I guess it's convincing. It's it's probably more convincing in the German version. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I sure think, either. I do think that slang is harder to get right. Yeah. So maybe that's why. I mean, we'll probably mention a slang term later that was gave both of us uh, some uh, uh. headaches, but... Yeah, and she anyway. also says that in the second chapter, she liked the conversation between Mrs. Parker and Violet, typical German, and I'm like, oh my god, really? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mrs. Parker being um, super paranoid about leaving her children alone for like 10 seconds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh boy. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is there anything else that Lucy said that you wanted to bring up before I bring up my one of my translation funnies? Um, I mean, there's a bunch, but most of the rest of the stuff I'm gonna like comb through it is uh, these interesting like cultural differences. I think Lucy and Ezra both struggled to understand the very first chapter, mm. so they they didn't understand the plane crashing stuff. Yeah, and. I kind of understood that as just, like, a normal superhero action movie trope. Like, yeah. let's just kill these two pilots to show how bad this military base is yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not supposed to understand, like, who these people are or anything. No, it's a, it's an immediate res kind of start to, like, get you kind of interested in the in the... Yeah, it's like a prologue uh, from a point of view that doesn't really matter at all. Yeah. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the the translation funny that, that I thought was interesting was... Um, so, at one point in the story, uh, <laughs> Artificus uses the word rubdown... In oh, a couple yeah. sentences, um, I'll read the one that I gave Azrael as an example so you can help me figure out what the heck it means. So the sentence is, Medium looked after them. Then she turned her gaze to her older sister, who looked at her steadfast, steadfastly with a mixture of fear and despair. Medium was expecting a rubdown, waiting for Flame to act up as the big sister, who was, who was bout... Spell it's supposed to be about, but it's spelled B A O U T to fix everything herself, waiting for her to stop her. So, um, yeah. So expecting a rubdown is a very weird phrase, and um, I don't think Artificus was aware of the fact that rubdown um has some interesting connotations if you think about it too hard. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, so the English definition is an act of drying, smoothing down, or cleaning something by rubbing, um, but, I mean, the connotation is, is completely different Yeah. Mm-hmm. when it's applied between people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 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 So, uh-huh. so, I, asked, so I asked Azrael, I was like, hey, um, so we're pretty sure that this phrase rub down does not mean what we think it means what we think it means um in uh-huh. english so you mind letting me know what you think 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, um, um, he said basically that it, that the it was supposed to mean like it, the it, the German word is basically equivalent of like, um, someone getting an earful or having their ass kicked. That's his words. So like the idea is like a rub down is basically like getting like told off or yelled at. Yeah, I think stuff. the impression I get is that it means you're getting a lecture. Yeah. It's like it's it's a painful metaphor. It's a metaphor for how painful a lecture is. Yeah. And when I asked Lucy the same question, she didn't know and she had to Google it because she's not familiar with the expression. But the German expression is ein Abrieb. Yes. And then uh, she says it's not commonly used and wherever wherever she is, she's, she's never heard of it. Huh. So we've got some regional German yeah. differences here because it seems like Azrael knew exactly what the term was. So Ooh, yeah, maybe, she had to Google maybe. stuff. And initially she also told me the German word for rounding, which is literally house arrest, house arrest. <laughs> German words are so funny. Like the they German are. word for contraceptives is uh, what is it? Like baby killing pillen. Like, like <laughs> baby kill her pills. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. It was yeah, great. the compound words in German are so much fun because they're they just so are. so they're so interesting and like man. And English and German share a lot of words, but they, they have do. completely different connotations. And yeah. my favorite is always the word gift, which in both languages means something that you give to a person. Yes. So the Germans interpret that as poison, and English people interpret that as a present, like a an offering. Yeah, that's <laughs> But the really Germans are like, now nah, it's poison, guys. That's really funny. Yeah, like... It's very, it is very interesting to me to like be able to sort of peek behind the curtain of the translation of the language barrier and see sort of how that affects the story because, um, I think it, it does. I do think it's, it's pretty sad and unfortunate that like clearly a lot of the actual prose of this fic, which we actually haven't talked too much about in this, in this, um, podcast, but suffice to say it's very clunky. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that clunkiness. Oh yeah, we we just straight up hate it. Like it's yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of repeating words. There's a lot of really weird sentences. I mean, I literally just read you a, a an excerpt, and I think that could tell you exactly how yeah. clunky it is. Like it's not yeah. like so unintelligible that you can't understand what's going on, but it's clearly not very polished. And while um, I'm assuming, and I, I'm gonna say, I think it's safe to assume given what both of our German friends have said, that most of that clunkiness can be attributed to the translation, the fact that this was translated directly, literally, word for word from German. So Yeah, and then of... when and then when Artificus was basically free-falling, um, I feel like there's, there's like a there's like a trade-off, you know, because mm. when you're writing specifically for a language, because I've had to do that a lot, um, mm-hmm. that's your second language, or your I don't know, maybe Artificus is like polylingual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but if you're writing specifically for the language, that completely changes the way that you think and the way that you're constructing sentences. Yeah, yeah. So it's not going to be like a copy-paste, but no. at the same time, sometimes your brain is so occupied by mm-hmm. the extra labor 
that you're you're probably gonna get across like less ideas and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Trust. You really gotta you really gotta gotta like know the language well and you can be confident in that language in order to write in it well, I think. And even if it if it is, especially if it is by a second language, even if you are confident in it, I think there's still mm-hmm. a filter that you're going through and it's still gonna yeah, be Yeah, there's like the very last stage of language learning i would say is the emotional stage Mm. so the emotional stage when you can understand jokes and when you can make jokes and you can understand stuff like sarcasm yeah just the thing because i spend a lot of time learning languages and also i don't know languages are just like a hobby of mine they're fun the thing the thing that like i don't think will ever fully sink into my brain at least in my second language is swear words like I understand them and what they mean mm. but the connotation just isn't plugged into my brain so like, yeah someone could call me like a horrible be like okay <laughs> yeah like that's kind of how I feel because like, I know there's no emotion attached to it yeah yeah like I I um like like for me I mean I wouldn't say I'm fluent in Spanish at all like no way but yeah you're I making know, your way there I'm I believe... baby steps baby steps <laughs> Um, but like, you know, I know some, Wait, some Spanish curse words, like the, like shit is mierda in Spanish is, I'd yeah. say shit. But when I say the word mierda. That sounds a lot like the, the, the Disney princess Merida. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess. I didn't think about it, but now that you said it, I can't see it. <laughs> right? Yeah, and like I. It's like if we had a Disney princess named Cheetah. <laughs> yeah, or she pretty much. Yeah, I'm like okay. Yeah, fascinating. Like, what is yeah. she the princess of? Okay, sorry, tangent. No, you're you're good. Um, but but yeah, but, yeah. Like my, when I say mierda, I'm not necessarily. It's very neutral. It's still a neutral word word for me. Whereas when I say shit, I can like I know it's a like I there's that emotion behind it. You know, like I definitely know what you feel like. Like, to me, mierda just kind of feels like any other Spanish word I'd say, even though I know it's a curse word. Right? You know? It's just a, it's a collection of sounds that you use sometimes, yeah. or you won't use. Like, you know, you file in, in, into your brain and like, okay, don't use those words. I can't remember why, but don't use Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I know loser is uh, perdido. Per, no, nice. perdedor is a loser. Um, nice. Which is funny to me because, like, I know the word perder is to lose. Uh-huh. And just, like, to lose to, like, I don't know. It's so weird because, like, when I say the word loser, like, I'm not necessarily thinking about it in so in terms of, like, what, grammatically that a loser is someone who has lost something. Um, But, uh-huh. like, in Spanish, when I see the word pertador, I'm like, oh, it's someone who's lost something. So it's, like, it's, like when I'm translating into my head, it's like you're breaking it down into these grammatical units that you typically don't do for your, whatever your lang- native language is. Um, yeah, and that's why it's so important to practice by talking with people, because people will be able to convey the connotations and the emotional. Well, climbing back up north. Yes. To the, the to Deutschland. Yes. Um, so Lucy also mentioned a lot of really cool uh, idioms that uh, Artificus thankfully did translate. 
Oh, okay. Uh, Arti- well, Articicus changed them to English equivalents. Oh. So she says in Chapter 5, Wilbur says, would have, could have, should have. But in mm. German, we say, hätte, hätte, fahrraketta. <laughs> which means, <laughs> could have, could have, bicycle chain, because they rhyme. That's so funny. So That's so funny. Yeah. And then another thing is that in English, Fran calls Wilbur little one, whereas mm-hmm. in German, it's the opposite, where they call children big ones because little one is insulting. That's so funny. <laughs> like, who are you calling little? <laughs> like, imagine like a little German five-year-old, like, who are you calling small? <laughs> that's so cute, too. And that's interesting. Right? Again, back to the Spanish, because, like, that's the only language I know well enough. But, like, I know mm-hmm. in Spanish, if you want a term, like, if you want to refer to something as cute, like, mm-hmm. the connotation is cute, you, you add ita to the end, and that means little. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if a I lot had of a, Latin languages like have a that cute house would be a little casita. Yeah, they have a suffix that they add to yeah. make it smaller. Yep. So, I know there's, uh, there's gato, and then there's the one for kitten, what is it? Do you know it? Uh, well, gatita would be... I don't remember kitten. I know gatita would be... Um, would still be a little cat. Um, yeah. Yeah, Spanish I know. In, in French, they have it a lot. So they have chaussure, and then they have chaussette, and mm. then they have jup, and then they have jupette. You yeah. can keep going. Just, just yeah. add it. Mm-hmm. Just it's the formula. It's cute, I, and yeah, it is. Gatito is 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 kitten. It's just it's just gatito. Yeah, as far as I know, German does not have this. No, it seems like that it doesn't. Which yeah. is interesting. They they just have separate words, even though they love compounds. They don't love that one. So in that case, so, I'd guess that a puppy would be a perrito. Probably. Probably. It could work. Like even if it's not even like a rule in the language people might still understand you yeah if i called a I called a puppy a perito yeah it's kind of like how you know in english we have the um the rule where there's employee and then there will mm. we'll employ this same rule to stuff that doesn't exist yeah um okay last thing mm-hmm. and this is more about this is we're getting closer to like cultural differences Ooh. now, which is really cool. So in chapter five, when Wilbur construction site, she says there's no sign saying quote parents are responsible for their children, and she says I don't know if this is a sign that you have here. It's everywhere where children be, and it says in German Elton Haften für ihre Kinder, which just means parents are responsible for their kids, hmm. and she, she says. Uh, that it means that parents have to pay for any damage the child does, or the parents are responsible to watch out for them not for their kids not getting hurt. And she describes the parenting style where she is as lacking. Yeah. <laughs> and we got into like this little conversation about parenting styles because I've done research on this, mm. and because uh, in America you would never need a without saying that parent that parents are responsible for their kids and parents mm-hmm. are responsible if their kids are in danger. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, that just goes without saying. But in Germany, uh, they 
are more used to like a laissez-faire kind of parenting where mm. kids are allowed to like do whatever they want. That makes it sound bad. They're allowed to be more independent than they are in a like this isn't the same in every region because the book I read was specifically about post-war Berlin parents. Uh. So that's not necessarily applicable everywhere, but it's like Montessori kind of stuff, mm-hmm. basically. Just like you mean. And yeah. the, the idea basically is that you would raise kids to be as independent as possible, mm-hmm. but not like, you know, not in an aggressive way. No. Like you would guide them towards independence. Which is not at all the American view, no. which creates a lot of culture shock, I think. But also, it explains why they have those signs, because it's, it, uh, it's not a given in the same way it, is, it would be in America. Parents are responsible mm. for stuff that, that your kid breaks. Right. You know, because if if your child is an independent person and of of themselves, that would not be a reflection on the parents in the same way that it is in America. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's the impression I get is that anything a child reflection of in America, Mm -hmm. and then in German, if they're more independent, then therefore they're not as influenced by the parents, and therefore the the connection isn't really a one to one. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so in the Meet the Robinsons world, in this fic, they have that little sign. It's just cute. Yeah. And last thing I'll say is that uh, just for reference, I asked Lucy what, a, what kind of other things she reads. And she is like a very avid. Um, she reads a lot of nonfiction as well as uh, novels fantasy romance um says uh she also likes books that play in the past Mm. which is a really cute way to say that um yeah and then it's really interesting she was reading a book on um diphtheria in the antarctic oh yeah i'm like okay that's cool Yeah. Sounds like she's got a lot of cool opinions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this has been a really interesting perspective. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Artificus is not really their generation's greatest author in German or English. No. (laughs) I think that's Uh, that's what we can conclude. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to, to conclude that. I feel comfortable. Comfortable with that analysis. Yeah, same. Um, do we have anything else we wanted to say about this fic? Or are we finally ready to set this chapter down? Um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it was interesting to learn about the cultural differences and stuff. But, like, yeah, Artificus is, is struggling... Um, a little bit more in English, but they're struggling in both, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, yeah, basically all of our points still stand. 
Yeah, all of the all of the stuff we've said, both in this part and in the other parts, are pretty much the same. And um, uh, as far as recommendations, don't read this fic. Not unless you're absolutely morbidly curious. If you're gonna read it, if you're morbidly curious, just stop after chapter sixteen. Yeah, just stop after. Or chapter before 16. chapter sixteen, I can't remember. Yeah, like chapter fifteen, chapter sixteen. Once Violet. And Wilbur have crashed a time machine. You can stop. That's all you need. Yeah. Because that's once, where it goes. Once, once Jock into... Wilbur is introduced, know that you must turn back. Yes. You know? Otherwise, there's no point. There's a point of no return. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, but I, I'd say, yeah, the only for first third 15 and third 16 chapters are maybe worth a glance, but everything else is kind of not worth it at all. And, um... Maybe someday we'll find a time, uh, uh, a, um, a, a, uh, a Willet fic. That is oh, someday. Time. But... Someday the good Willet fics will come back from the Yes, but for now, it's not here. <laughs> um, but I am happy, yeah. I am happy we got to talk about this fic, because this is, again, one of those fics that I read when I was, like, the Yeah, we definitely had active. to talk about it, it's. It's just part of Meet the Robinsons lore now. It you know? really is. It's huge. It's so long. It spawned multiple sequels. And, you know, if you guys want us to read the sequels, let us know. Um, so it's important to talk <laughs> oh about. Oh, boy. And Artificus, if you're out there, which you are definitely, I know how online you are, like, check us out. Yeah. And, they, um, send they, us a line. Um, we'd love to. We'd are love to working on. You original fiction and i'd be really curious to see how that's going yeah exactly all right yeah. so before we officially sign off just wanted to do my normal well i did i just want to talk about um the season finale-ness of it all sure yeah we can bring it back full circle so yeah so what Alyssa, we wanna... how did how, how did you find this season well it's our first and only season <laughs> I think the season was definitely, I still think we're, it was a good, I feel like some of it was us finding our footing, you know, yeah, in, in trying to make this podcast. Um, Flashback to how long our first intro was, because we were so <laughs> awkward about it. Yeah, um, but I think overall, I think I'm pretty happy with it. I think we touched on a lot of different stuff. Um, we try. I think we did a fairly good job of trying to, you know, touch on different um different types of fics and different things we we did uh, a talk about we did do some episodes that weren't fic reviews that were just kind of yeah different stuff we did. Um, according to I our analytics that. if i'm going to be that person um oh. i'd say i'd say of bring those, out the calculator yeah bring out my app here i'd say that the ones so far um, our most popular episodes are, well, the first episode, The Mall, and then yeah. the second episode, The Only One Who Cared, um, and then the other ones have gotten, you know, but anywhere between five to three plays on average. Um, nice. with the five played ones being Rashtram and Porta and the Fluff Thick Recommendations episode. Cool. So, out of the yeah. two non-review episodes, it looks like people are super into um, the recommendations and not so much the guess the plot game. Although that did get three views, which isn't too bad. 
the weakest I mean, link. In all fairness, it, I think possibly it's a little harder to relate to the guest supply. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and just by the way, I am revealing a little bit. We are recording this way ahead of time, so I can't review the statistics for anything beyond um, our yeah. episode 11, because that's currently the only episode, the last episode Yeah, like, maybe, maybe the, uh, the Carl Tallulah episode is going to blow. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe a bunch of Carl Tallulah fans are going to come out of the woodworks and be like, oh, man. Yeah. Um, I will say the currently... Start from the bottom, now we're here. And Carl Tallulah. <laughs> Um, as of this taping, Doris Returns mm. has the least amount of plays with... I don't blame you guys. Um, it's, and it, it's I not mean, a good we did get four plays on Team Future, on the first episode of Team Futures, so I think it's just people didn't weren't really interested in Doris Returns, whereas people are more interested in Team Future, which makes sense, because it's, it's a big-ass fic. Team Future is fun, though. I mean, Doris Returns... Is is an angsty fic about goob, but not about no. It's not about goob. It's about a goob. Yeah, it's like it's it's it's, it's that it's, Robinson it's just completely devolved into their OCs. This is the pattern. Authors keep getting really attached to their OCs. Yeah, and it's like I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, me but too. You got, like obviously, you understand where you're coming from. I mean, like we understand maybe more than raise his hand. Raise his hand in like humiliation but anyway it's like that meme from you me gotta knows. not do that how many of you have fallen in love to fought have like been too attached to your and then we're like everyone raises their hands and then we raise our hand but then the teacher's like you don't go here. <laughs> yeah pretty much but um yeah 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 don't do that basically yeah yeah <laughs> don't do that then you get doris returns or you get team future you get, you get something yeah um, so, so, yeah, and, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think we've done, we, we, there are some things we've learned, um, I think, um, I think. Yeah, we've, we've, we've learned so much. Yeah, and, yeah. um, there are still many, many topics that we can talk about. We haven't even there touched. There are literally so many topics. We didn't even touch incest. We did not even touch incest. I just gotta yet. mention it, that's. Yeah, this, we did not this touch. Is what the Robinson fandom is actually known. I know we like, did. We didn't touch. Post it's the where someone was like, "Hey, why, are, why aren't you guys? Why aren't you guys upsetting over this this kid? Like, what happened to that? All all the thirteen year olds were obsessed with this guy, but then that stopped, and then they're like, and then somebody replied, "Oh yeah, they uh, they started shipping him with his dad, and then they're like, oh never mind." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so like. like yeah. Yeah, like, we haven't even touched that aspect of it. And, like, it's kind of funny because, like, I'd say, like, a huge chunk of the fanfiction universe of this story, of this franchise, is dedicated to that. But like, we really literally the most popular fic in the Robinson fandom of all time is an incest fic, and we, we have to talk about it, but we I also do. don't want to talk about it. I know it's like a, oh my god! It's oh. it, I have so many mixed emotions about that story. <laughs> so oh. many mixed emotions. It's it's horrible. How many mixed emotions I have about it? But um, we will get to that. Uh, mm -hmm. someday, provided people are like, ooh, we want to know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, provided you're interested. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we and, are we are niche, but we also are lonely. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we also need feedback. We do. Yeah, we really appreciate uh, any feedback you guys have about stuff. Yeah, totally. Please let us know. Because please take the time if you if have the you, time. If you have a if you have, if you have a burning question or a suggestion mm-hmm. or whatever, let us know. Because mm-hmm. season two is, you know, it's 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 um it's on its way, but it's also still in the works. You know. Yeah. Put yes. your foot in the door. Yeah, please, please, like, let us know what your thoughts are, what kind of fix you want, what kinds of content you want us to put up. Maybe, you know, we've, I think both of us have um, talked about doing, like, not necessarily reviews, but just talking about, like, an element of the fandom. Yeah. Um, You know, like, talking about Franny, talking about Wilbur, talking about certain ships, talking about different genres, talking about, I don't know. Mm -hmm anything we might even talk about like non-fan fiction topics but they're still adjacent to our subject like we might talk about i think we've talked about maybe shifting to fo- talk just about mtr the movie itself and what our thoughts yeah. on the movie um yeah or talking about fan art too that's another that's definitely al- something i want to talk about. aligned with that we could investigate um there's tons of stuff that would probably about. be a video yeah, yeah, if we do fan art, I would say a video would be a good idea because it's visual. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, definitely. Um, please let us know. I mean, Irene and I have a lot of ideas, but we want to make sure we, you know, meet the demand that you guys have for what kinds of stuff you want us to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, if you already have something to say, we are all ears. Yeah, and um, again, we don't. As of now, we don't know when we will be back. Um, so, yeah, it's a question mark. Yeah, we aren't sure. I mean, again, this is going live sometime in October. I think October 18th, like I said before. So who knows what will happen between now and then. But um, uh, hopefully we'll, we will, as we said earlier, we'll let you know on our Tumblr page when... Uh, what our schedule is as it changes so you guys yeah can you can peep, you can always peep the tumblr page to know what's up with the podcast yeah yep yeah so and you know i've talked it's, a lot it's about really hard my... to find it's really hard to find stories that are um either good or like so bad that they're like interesting because yeah <laughs> most of the time when we find a story that's bad it's like boring yeah there's like, a lot where's, of boring fix out there where's the classically hilariously yeah, bad like, like i don't know do we have a my immortal equivalent in this fandom do we have the i read room? one fic that was absolutely terrible but it was by an author who was trying to write a terrible fic and I, that's disingenuous we need mm. genuine shit we need genuine terribleness i mean i've definitely found some fix that are just like organic shit absolute garbage that are sometimes kind of amazing to behold but i don't know if we've talked about any of those on on here but no. that could be one to talk about yeah <laughs> we're totally open to talking about tons of different stuff um yeah so I talked a lot about my thoughts on the whole season, but what are your thoughts on the whole season? I don't think you've mentioned, or if you have, it's been oh. a response to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I thought it was a fun season, a best season we've had yet. 
Um, I, I ate through it the first episode, and then my fridge was also present. Yeah, the first episode it. was pretty The rough, mall but... uh, featuring Irene's fridge. <laughs> she just has a lot I don't of know. opinions. I don't know what's up with all the fridges I've ever had. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, I think just kind of understanding how many ways a movie is really funny. Yeah. Because we all watched the same movie, but everybody came away with completely different opinions, and I'm just yeah. How did you get there? Yeah. How did you get that from that? I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting. Yeah, and I always love reading six about, like, obscure characters, and these are, like, their favorite character. Mm. Like, um, spoiler alert, but in the, in the Tallulah Carl fic, one reviewer was saying that... Wait, that's not a spoiler, because you already watched it. Whatever. Um, the one reviewer who was saying that that was like their all-time favorite ship of yeah. all time. And yeah, like, like oh, you are starved, buddy. Yeah, right. Like I'm like like. Are you okay? Pour one out for the one for that person who. Um. Yeah, like had, that's like, just so weird that way. Yeah. People, people have so many. Um interesting like quirks and interests and they gravitate to different parts of the the whole enterprise and other people so it's it's really interesting to see like what and i love oh one of my favorite things is seeing like little bits of history mm. um <laughs> make their way into fic so for example yeah. violet's favorite band is the jonas brothers yeah <laughs> It's also, you know, when we haven't really talked much about, I don't think we've we've touched on any fix that, like, predict the future in any, like, concrete way, but it's Oh, funny not yet, but Alyssa, we, you read one that was about a pandemic. Yeah, I did read one that was about a pandemic, and then I've also read some fix where, like, it takes place in, like, 2013, and yet they're still using, well, it's more oh like 2016, they're, like, they're still using flip phones, and it's like... They were not ready well, for the okay. iPhone. To, to, to be honest, the flip phone is coming back because I think Samsung made, um, like, it's the touch phone, but you flip it. Oh. So it's just a screen, and it's one big screen, but then you can, like, fold the screen in half, basically. Oh. And it looks pretty elegant, but also it's like, this is a flip phone, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, yeah, and then uh, in race time or in the other mm. uh neil uses a fax machine and we still use fax machines today but i only need a machine when i'm talking to the government every in every other instance i'm just gonna scan the document yeah there's not many there's not much the, need for a the, fax the I scanner mean... and the email has completely overtaken the need for physical stuff yeah we and don't like, need it anymore yeah and like there you can you can always yeah like you, when you can just attach documents on your a file to a thing and then send it to someone digitally then you don't need to like okay this is a huge side note but mm -hmm. okay um pmi but i have my birth certificate inside this like big wallet thing 
and I was a genius because the little pockets are small. So I decided, hey, I need to pull my birth certificate to fit it inside the pocket. Uh-huh. And now it's kind of all janky. It's it's my birth certificate. So uh-huh. one possibility is that in the future, pay the guy to me another copy. Or, because mm-hmm. I do have a much cleaner digital scan of it, and it's like, am I ever going to need the copy? Mm-hmm. necessarily if mm-hmm. I have a scan of it because people only ever ask for a copy yeah that's true I mean you know maybe you know if the end of the world comes and you have to make sure that everybody's a citizen mm-hmm. really dystopian but the point is is that you can never predict the future because everybody just has like a I mean you can because some people have but you have to like really think really hard yeah. Anyway, tangent. It's just a fun quirk of, of different fanfics. Yeah. Fanfics are such, like, a bizarre and specific, like, window into someone's mind and at a time and place. Mm. It's so cool. Like, yeah. you can, like, witness someone, like, working something through in, in their brain through their the fanfic or you know the stuff that they write because it's just the nature of writing and art mm-hmm. and stuff yeah the, and sometimes the... i worry for these authors yeah you, you know. really get to like <laughs> like i think there's a lot more self-projection in fan fiction than there is even in published literature if only just because there's, Definitely. there's less of a filter there's less. Mm-hmm. There's not an editor or a publishing organization or a literary agent that's like working on f- making the product more sellable. Yeah. And not yeah, to say that to editors are it not even useful, but yeah, there's Sorry. not like like the trade-off. Obviously, for that, for having it be more open access, is that you get people who post stuff that just haven't clearly haven't been edited. Um, mm-hmm. But then the other thing too is that you get very like stream of conscious projection kind of almost like diary entry type of of fiction yeah, and that's... it varies so much from fic to fic some mm. fics the author will just straight up put their name in the story yeah and all of their friends names yeah and i'm like what yeah yeah, it's very it's very weird, um, but it's very interesting. I think that's what makes talking about fan fiction so interesting. Um, yeah, fan fiction is just so bizarre, and I think that it now it has legitimized itself as like a facet of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe a little too much at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's you can't you can't neglect it for. Mm the ways it can reflect all of these things about the author and about the time it was written. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's just really cool to me to have so many different interpretations of one shared universe like that. Yeah. Even though, even though I'm really getting the impression that no Wilbur or Neil <laughs> or Fran. Uh, yeah. I mean, may, maybe Goob, but not really. Yeah. Anyway. Well, before... Anyway, this season was a wild ride. It was. uh, Basically. And I am hoping that next season is an even wilder ride. Yeah. 
We yeah. have only touched the tip of the iceberg, friends. Yes, there are so many fics, so many different angles and topics and things you can talk about. And, you know, we'll see what the future brings. Get yeah. It? Uh, time travel. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, before, before we really, really sign back off. Back to the future. Hell yeah. Can't wait to get back to the future. <laughs> Gotta get back. Yeah, it doesn't work because I had to repeat myself. <laughs> anyway. Um. I was singing Back in Time, one of the songs from Back to the Future. It plays over. Yeah, the I haven't watched the movie in so long. <laughs> you know, the MTR creators vehemently deny any inspiration from Back to the Future, but I'm like, Back to the Future re- revolutionized sci fi so like... much that, like, even if you didn't, even if you actually didn't reference Back to the Future, yeah, um, it just I it's mean, inevitably built into the genre, but also like they literally did the whole oh I'm not gonna exist plot to so, like yeah they yeah did. they did like, that the, the time machine is a car. the time machine it's is a, a car flying car so, there's a mad scientist <laughs> like, and a, d- a little d- teenager d- yeah you know yeah like, like mm. it's there's some Freudian <sighs> stuff in there. Vaguely, but there it's is. like Wilbur meets his own mother. Yeah, he meets his own mother. Lewis calls his own his own wife mom. You know, like oh my god, I hate that moment. There's, I hate that moment. There's, so much. Yeah, there's so awkward. It's all I'm saying yeah. is that I I don't. There was I think there was some passing resemblance, and well, that's not a think, bad thing. I'm saying that I think the um. The MTR crew are in a bit of denial. They really think that they can isolate themselves from the giant that is Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh-uh. Come on, guys. It was no so way. influential. No way. There's no way. Um, no but way. Yeah, anyway, anyway. just shout-outs, real quick shout-outs to some people who responded to yeah. some stuff from the last time. Um, so thanks to Cornelius Robinson. Tiny Roro eight, a newsy Girl Scout, and kind of gay but not gay enough for you okay. liking our posts and everything like that. So thank you um, for yeah. all of that. Also shout and mm-hmm. all of those other people whose usernames I suddenly can't remember. I remember their icons a lot more. Yeah, me too. There's the there's the Helen Parr icon. Mm-hmm. There's the, the violet icon. Yeah. But thank you guys so much. Yeah, I think it's Dragon Boss Air. 1980 Lewis. all the time. Yeah, thank you They're guys. Cool. Like, again, everyone, lurkers, non-lurkers, people we didn't yeah, name. Yeah, thank you, named. lurkers, as well. Yeah, thank you guys for all the support. We are really happy that this fic has, uh, this fic, <laughs> this podcast has It is has a gotten... fic in of itself. <laughs> yes. That this but, podcast uh, has... We, we are... This this was a fic the whole time. The fic <gasps> oh, was coming shit. from the house. The fic was oh damn, guys we 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 bamboo we 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 bamboozled you. Yeah, that was the twist. We whatever the podcast equivalent to catfishing is. <laughs> I don't like, know. Like you don't what know what we mean. look like. Like uh, for all for all you know, we, we're aliens. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I think we've this this outro has gone on quite a long time, but yeah, this has been a cool season. It's been yeah. nice knowing you guys. We're gonna see you in season two. Yeah. Um, you know, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm kidding, but actually, anyway. Yes, yeah. Please give us give us love and attention that we want, and also maybe please deserve. validate us. Yes, make us feel valid. And yeah. um, yeah. So in the meantime, in the interim, um, we are all both on Tumblr at um, the usernames we've mentioned. I'm also on Twitter. I also have um, there's a bunch of links on our Tumblr to all of these things. But I also have um, a YouTube channel that I do gaming on, and I have a bunch of other projects too. You can read our fanfics on our respective fanfic pages. So just yeah, I don't have anything got... published, but yeah. But oh, like, I do have that one thing that's never going to be finished, I think. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, feel free to check those out. Send us asks. Talk to us. We're, we'd love yeah, to the, hear. Yeah, the Robinson way of life party never ends, mostly because I can do those. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, but until next time, guys, thank you so much for tuning yeah. in. We'll see you in the next season. Bye. Cheerio.